bought a little gold man. Mm. We bought a campaign. We bought a little gold man. We bought some seats. Hollywood jacking itself off once a year. It's really stupid, but I'd pay anything to get in. This year, the award goes to We Bought a Mic. Best original podcast. Wow. There's been a mistake. <laughs> it actually goes to the Snyder Collin podcast. Fuck. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to We Bought a Mic. Hello. All right. Welcome. What's up, Welcome. guys? It's Oscar season. You smell do you smell the cloud of smug in the air? <laughs> I Ooh. do. I smell all the hashtag me too movement speeches that we're gonna have mm. for tomorrow. And all the jokes about the mistakes. For- yeah. Oh, I you can actually um I don't know if you guys know this, but on sports booking, on sports booking and stuff like that, you can bet on the number of times that the La La Land Moonlight mishap will be. Goldie. Bet. It's at like six, like six and a half right now. I mean, now. it's Kimmel. I would definitely yeah, say over that. It's Kimmel <laughs> hosting again, so I feel like... He, I mean, it's at least going to be mentioned a couple times. Yeah. Kimmel also... He pretty much got himself a lifetime pass to host the Oscars with how well he handled that fuck up last year. Yeah, he's I'm I'm a fan of his. He's he's I like him too. I feel like his show isn't necessarily the best. No, I mean it's definitely not. But I like him as a personality. Yeah. So this is episode 26. We're talking Oscars. Oh, let's introduce ourselves. I am Ernest Calderon. Okay. Uh, My name is Hunter Mobley. And I'm at Drew D on hey. Letterboxd, hey, at uh, Drew Dietzen on Spotify, <laughs> at Drew Dietzen on Twitter. I'm just getting it out of the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so today on the show, we're talking heavily about the final predictions that we're going to do for the Oscars. Um and a couple other things that we've been watching. Yeah, we got some other shit. We're not just like one note fucking idiots. Yeah, but we want to get to those predictions soon. Um keep it keep it short and sweet for you guys cuz we're dropping two episodes this week with the bonus pod uh twin peaks so make sure you check that out if you are a twin peaks fan we <sighs> yeah. did a yeah, little drew, bit of a bonus up uh, actually drew how's your uh, twin peaks watch through going yeah I'll really uh I'm uh I'm just I'm just gonna listen to the podcast and not watch it the show. You'll basically get the gist yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, sure it'll be just as good. <laughs> so okay. Let's just jump right into it with what we've been watching. Um I just wanna run through some quick things that I've been watching. Um just bullet points. You guys can kinda have a little discussion if you want, but um I checked out Everything Sucks on Netflix. Yeah, the Freaks okay. and Geeks rip. Yeah, it's like wanting to be Freaks and Geeks really bad, but it's on um uh it's in the nineties mm-hmm. instead. Uh I only watched the first two episodes and it's not good, but it's like fine. If you're if you're just trying to chill and watch like a quick little thirty minute Yeah, exactly. Uh fun little thing. That's what it that's what it seemed. I mean, honestly, most Netflix shows are like that. Cause I was thinking the other day, like we Netflix I don't know. I think they started a bit stronger and they showed more promise in the beginning and then they just kind of stayed at the level that they were at. You know, it, and they kind of went for content like qual or well, yeah. quantity over quality. From, I mean, from a business move, it's definitely smart because plenty of people are going to watch it. Like, it you don't have to make an eight plot. The the masses don't only watch great shows; they watch bad shows every day. Like, it's 
the masses almost exclusively watch bad shows. Yeah, and and they're trying to increasingly meet these like algorithm requirements that they want to f- check every possible box in terms yeah. of audience and demographics. So this definitely hits that um, for the you know one of the biggest Netflix audiences, which is like young people, mm-hmm. you know, high school age people. Like yeah. that's that is one of the biggest Netflix watchers out there because um, they have the time. They have the time to, you know, consume and, and yeah, suck just, all this in. So Suck it all up. Yeah. If you, I'd recommend it if you have nothing better to watch and you're just trying to watch something chill well, that doesn't require much thought. Yeah, that's the thing. If it doesn't require thought. Because saying you have nothing better to watch, like, just by definition, there is better shit to watch. Right. If you have Netflix, you have other shit, kind yeah. of. Um, but yeah, if you that's that's what it's for. It's if you don't really want to like care so much about what you're watching, which is obviously that's fine. I also watch, I watch plenty of shit. B- based on the second episode, it really seems like it's not trying to just be twin or um, freaks and geeks directly. It's like yeah. it seems like it's trying to go into its own little thing because. Um, it, it, you know, you have these similar character archetypes, but the story itself is something different. And the the performance of the main kid is really, really good. Like really? he's great. He's much better than the show needs him to be. <laughs> uh, and then the girl that he's trying to woo is like probably bi or lesbian or something like that. True. So mm-hmm. she probably isn't into him. So it's it's just this cute little okay. cute that's, little thing. That's fun. Hmm. Um. Okay. So this is a show I've I've we've been talking about for a few weeks. Me and Ernest have been watching sporadically high maintenance on hbo it's like i keep on i come back to when i watch an episode or two and i'm like huh this is like this is kind of better than like almost everything i've seen on tv yeah (laughs) it's it's pretty insane i used i liked the web series back in the day like on vimeo yeah it was like when we were in like late high school it was on vimeo and it was really really good And it was only like 10 minute eps and and they converted it into like a longer form tv show and i always just kind of thought well i don't think they can really do that and it's a lot better than the web series. It's genuinely there's there everything about this show is kind of great and yeah. like I don't think people are really talking about it. It's a it. really cool premise. It's just yeah. it's centered around this uh weed delivery guy. Yeah, I'm pretty in New sure York. I'm pretty sure he's also nameless, which is really it's funny. It's just the guy. Yeah, he's just the dealer yeah. guy. And the each episode is almost like a little anthology because it yeah. follows like whoever is ordering weed yeah, from him. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just and like whether or not he's there. For most of the episode, he's not there a lot sometimes, of the time. Sometimes he's the main part of the yeah, episode. Yeah, and then other times he's the focus, but like it just Every it is an anthology show because it'll it'll weave uh, a lot of the time multiple plot lines together of these people who are buying from him and it does so so seamlessly. The directing of it is beautiful. It's such a beautifully shot uh, show. The scoring is all is always good. Um, the writing is really maybe the best part. It's so naturalistic but also a little bit heightened it does a good job of portraying these like weird like hyper liberal uh brooklyn communities it's kind of making fun of them but also not like it's also just showing them like it's saying like these people are there and they're not bad people at all they're good people but they are a little ridiculous well it, it hits a lot of areas of new york and i think that's what it does best is yeah it gives you a really real look at all the diversity of the city and all the different types of people that are there. all the crazy shit that happens exactly there's some insane stuff that happens in this yeah show. it does the show does really good with uh building chaos yeah. there are a lot of scenes that th- it just slowly unfolds and it really does uh build tension really well another thing that the scripting does good is uh kind of cringe comedy without like being super intentional it just kind of pr- like shows how real life can be it's 
that's a kind of a thing that I really focus on a lot is if it's trying to be cringy, is it trying too hard or is it just showing that real life is often awkward? There's, my, there's just a lot of like fun scenarios that happen. in the My show. favorite thing about the show is that it kind of, um, it, it makes it really easy to watch when you don't have to follow a recurring plot that carries over through the entire exactly. season or the entire it's, show. It's a great show to just put on. Yeah. And it's a great show to put on, but you find yourself really invested in, in each episode because it deals with like really intense and deep like plot threads that, that is, really hit yeah, home. That's the most impressive part of the show is that every episode it gets you invested in someone that you've known for about five minutes. That's really, really difficult to do because it's not an hour long show. It's short. And there oftentimes are multiple plot lines with entire different different sets of characters. And it still manages to like build a story out of it and make you invested. Yeah. One I, of my favorite episodes is episode, uh, the first episode of season two. Um, what's the newest season? I think it is season two. Yeah, we're on season two. Um, right now. It it sort of tells a story. Is that, that the snake one? No, that's the one after. Okay. Um, it tells the story that like is really alluding to the election of Donald Trump because everyone is centered around something bad happening and like the city kind of taking care of each other and being really nice to each other because of this thing that happened. It doesn't, you don't know what happened, mm -hmm. but you just know that something bad really, really happened and everyone is sort of like shaken by it. Um, and you jump around to all these different characters and <laughs> there's this really funny, like kind of fucked up sequence that happens in a hotel room with these people that are, uh, having a sort of a sexual escapade yeah, uh, yeah and they don't know all the shit that is happening outside in the in the outside yeah. world <laughs> it's it's just it's honestly through and through i cannot name a flaw with the show which is pretty yeah. rare because i like to name flaws in shows yeah and it's just it's just good all around the main uh the drug dealer ben sinclair is really really funny as kind of like a weird uh sort of awkward guy um, he's also a co-creator of the original show with uh, Katja Blitchfield. But the acting, that's why the directing must be good, because the acting they get out of these one-off performances mm -hmm. by people you've never seen before and will probably never see again, is it's crazy. Like, yeah. every single episode, everyone is nailing it. Oh, it, yeah. It's just a great show. So, High Maintenance on HBO, really recommend it. Just be ready for, like, HBO shit, like nudity, sex, drugs. Um, Sorry, mom. Uh, language, like, it's very HBO. Um, but it's still very, very well made. Yeah. Um, really quickly, um, I really recommend if you like documentaries and Star Wars and like kind of behind the scenes sort of stuff, the official Star Wars channel has a what the fuck is that on youtube like oh, okay. star wars the star wars <laughs> i was YouTube like is cable really selling out that much <laughs> no they have i can't believe that this is on the official star wars channel they have a documentary called the beginning which is about the making of star wars episode one and it's about an hour long pretty easy watch if you have if you have an hour to kill and it's it's no, there's no talking heads, there's no voiceover, no interviews, nothing. It's just a dude who had a camera on during the whole making of this movie, and it tells the story from start to finish of the entire process. Like, and you're just a fly on the wall, uh, watching these events unfold and watching like really kind of uh, just just behind the scenes stuff that you don't get with movies of this scale of George yeah. Lucas watching the first cut of of Phantom Menace and being like, huh, 
this isn't very good. <laughs> this does, this is I, I I think I went too far I with need, this. I need one. to add some C and some more CGI yeah. into this. And then no, he watches the second cut and he's like, "That's it." No, he <laughs> he was thinking that like it was too convoluted that it was just like didn't make any sense. Yeah. But but he was very frustrated because there's things in there that can't really be changed because the ball is already rolling right. with all the special effects. Like you can't really move things around too much because they just are part of a bigger hole that needs to be serviced. So it's a really fascinating story. And, and there's actually some drama with some of the sets being destroyed um, during a storm when they're shooting out in the desert in like mm-hmm. 130 degree uh, heat. Um and my favorite part about it is watching this dude who played Jar Jar like wearing this crazy suit because they ended up replacing his performance with like a fully CGI character <laughs> and just watching this guy wearing a silly Jar Jar costume in, in these scenes with like all the other actors. It's so funny. Um, but I, I really recommend it if you just want a, a behind the scenes look at Okay. Making this Do movie. you think that it uh, gave you a better, more of an appreciation for episode one? Well, are I you going to watch episode one now and be like, this is a masterpiece? No, <laughs> this no. Is perfect. It's not about that. It, it's more about thinking of an, another time when you had like more honest inside looks at the making of these movies. Also, because- this is, I mean, this was after years where people thought they were never going to get another Star Wars movie. Right. So they had so much more pressure than like Disney bringing it back for episode yeah. seven. And the fact that he knew that he was going to make episode two and three after. So he knew that this one had to be good. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And it, wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Good on you, George. But, you know, nowadays, like these giant movies are shrouded in so much secrecy oh, that yeah. we don't know like be, the inner workings. There ain't going to be a documentary about fucking Lord and Miller getting booted off of their yeah. Star Wars, yep. which I wish there were. But. At this point, you only ever hear stuff if it's going bad. That's how we knew that, like, The Last Jedi, it was all signs were pointing to it being a really good movie, is because you heard nothing about it. Yeah. Where yeah. with Solo, we're hearing all this drama going yeah. on behind the scenes. So and it's never that's, a good time. That's the beginning on youtube i'll I'll link it down if you guys want to see it um who else watched ugly delicious um okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about two netflix shows that uh i watched uh this past week uh first one was ugly delicious yeah i saw the pilot um okay i'm interested to know what you thought because i thought it was very okay yeah i watched i watched through the entire show oh (laughs) yeah no, I mean, just because it's one of those things that you can just kind of like yeah, put a, on while you're laying in show. bed. It's very much a background show. It's also, it's very much similar to a show I watched a couple weeks ago and I didn't even mention on the pod, uh, Somebody Feed Phil. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me a little <laughs> bit about that off yeah. mic. Where it's just, that, that show is the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond, who is, he looks how you would think. He's a behind the camera 50 something <laughs> uh, comedy writer and he's just going around eating food and it's just like wow this is a true vanity project it's not bad he's not like a bad person but it's just like a show and it's like there yeah i felt kind of the same way as you do about this show it's very similar it's well, just it's there okay so i wanted to say one thing about the show because i think that where it excels is at points where it does because I, I should say i really i love food shows triple d that's my shit uh, triple dibble d yeah no but i mean even like chef's table stuff like that yeah, like i just really enjoy watching stuff like that Makes me hungry. Um, <laughs> I, I like getting hungry fuck. from a TV. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this show, like, it tries to be. First of all, we should talk about the main guy, Dave Chang. Yeah. So the first episode, you watch the pizza episode, right? Mm. So I hate this show whenever it's trying to be like funny. Yes. Because they have all of these like people. They're going around the world eating the best pizza in the world. 
And then Dave is just like, you know what, man? Sometimes I just like to order some Domino's. And then he like gets a job as a Domino's delivery driver and learns about like how Domino's makes their pizza. It's and it's just like really like, how much money is Domino's paying you right so, now? Like, there's no way you're actually doing this. Watching this show, I drew a lot of comparisons to uh, an online series that I think is better, which is worth it on BuzzFeed. Uh, Brett, friend of the pod, showed this to us. And it's a very similar premise of like a very wordy white dude and then like a more fun loving Asian guy going around to restaurants and sampling products at different levels, different price points. It's like the exact same it like is, setup. Like it's pretty crazy. Nerdy similar. white guy with glasses and yeah. an Asian dude. It's pretty it's pretty obviously kind of a ripoff. It does something's better than the online series. Like they get way better interviews out of the uh, makers of food, like the owners of the restaurants. You get some genuine moments with these guys. The BuzzFeed series really doesn't because it's it's all focused on kind of the wackier antics of these two dudes. But the BuzzFeed series is better because kind of also because of that. It's funnier. It has a more it's more structured where it goes to th- every episode is three different price points. And yeah, that's that's what it goes to. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about is with this show, it kind of doesn't know what it wants to be sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like I. Uh, OK, so um, two other episodes I wanted to point out. One of them was fried chicken. And this episode I was looking forward to just like love fried chicken. I just want to see like some great fried chicken. And it went in this whole <laughs> like racism kind of discussion about how like what like fried chicken means to black culture about how black people don't (laughs) want to be associated with fried chicken it got like very like kind of dark and I just wasn't ready for that at all like I didn't know what they were doing and then in the last episode of the season called stuffed it's they keep going back and forth in this like fake debate that they're having between uh, this Italian dude who's uh, debating on the side of ravioli and then the Asian guy who's debating on the side of dumplings. And they're like trying, it's trying to be funny, but it's just so not like not a mm. single one of their jokes Damn. lands. But it, then you like air cut between that and like a classic food show where they're just like going around eating the best dumplings and ravioli in the world. It just, it really doesn't know what it wants yeah, to be. That's, that's the vibe I got. It's a vibe you get from a lot of Netflix shows where it's like, it's, it's close to being something, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite, it doesn't have commit fu- to it doesn't, any Yeah. It doesn't have thing. the fully realized vision of something that like really breaks through. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's a perfectly fine background show. It's like one of those things that like you could like put on the background and then like, you're just like sitting there on your phone doing whatever and you hear like Aziz crack a joke with the yeah, Asian yeah. guy and they start laughing and you're like, ha 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 ha. And it's like one of those things where you didn't really hear the joke, but other people are laughing. Yeah. So you feel like you should laugh too. And it's Aziz, it's being, like like, it's Aziz being like, you know, she was asking for it. <laughs> oh my God. And then, and then it's you like, feel, Jesus, then man. You feel dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> but I would uh, say if, if you kind of like the show and you're like kind of out, you should check out Worth It on BuzzFeed because it's mm-hmm. just... It goes to more extremes where I love watching them eat some really good $5 fried chicken and then eating like a $10,000 plate of fried chicken and comparing. It's just that's a more interesting look into like the extremes of food, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then the other uh, show that I checked out, um, it's actually it's based off of a documentary sort of thing that came out a few years ago. It's a a show called Mortified, which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this show at all. Um, This is something Gaia showed me because she watched the documentary like years ago whenever it came out. But it's basically the whole premise behind it is it's people getting up on stage at like various uh, cities across America and they read their uh, diaries from wherever they were like 13, like 10, like between like seven years old and like 16 years old and 
it's I, I think that it's actually like pretty funny if you're kind of into that humor just oh, because I bet. you yeah, yeah yeah like I I actually found it like really enjoyable for some of the stuff that's the like, premise that has been uh, recreated like all across America in comedy shows they do that in Orlando there are local shows where yeah people come up and read I the think diaries. that Mortified was one of the like original shows because like originally this guy did it before I ever became a documentary he started doing this in like yeah exactly late nineties or yeah because so. that's around when uh, Janine Garofalo revolutionized comedy and made it so you can come up completely unprepared and just read something yeah but um i think uh where this show really excels also i should give a shout out to gaia for showing me this show and ugly delicious we just decided to watch that together but um more fact where this show excels is whenever it's trying to be funny um like there's uh at least with the new tv show what'll happen is they have each episode is based off of a certain thing so there'll be an episode that's just about people who are gay and they don't realize that they're gay or they don't want to admit that they're gay and then there's like other episodes that'll just deal with them like bullies and stuff like that like that's kind of how the structure of the show works this, um, this actually i wish i had heard about this because i love that type like really really open comedy i'm yeah. probably gonna watch this well Okay, so where it excels is whenever it's trying to be funny. For example, um, it's in the uh, original documentary, not in the show. But uh, there's this one, uh, this uh, gay black dude who's telling this story about how he's going to like a Catholic school and everything else, and like he's just like, you know, I find this dude like really hot. Not like I'm gay or anything like that. <laughs> and then he tells this story about how he um. He, like, meets this stranger online, and he goes to him in person, and he's just like, hey, you know, like, I kind of want to know what it's like to suck a dick, just so I, like, just so I know. I mean, I'm not gay or anything. <laughs> and he, like, goes there, and just the way that he describes it, like, in his diary slash journal, whatever, he's just like, I knew as soon as he came in my mouth, I knew for sure that I definitely was not gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's It's, really like, funny. it's really funny, but... Where this show kind of falls flat is whenever some people go up there and just trying to be, like... It's more dramatic, trying to be like, it, it, it's not really funny at all. It's more of them like having a breakthrough. It's like, okay, like, can we get back to just like this dude talking about a guy nutting in his mouth, but he's definitely not gay? Like, Hunter, shit like that. Hunter's like, like I want to hear more about that, but I'm definitely not gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just like in general, stuff like that. And then there'll be like, uh, there'll be some things where there'll be like a girl who's growing up and she always drew, drew pictures and one day she like walked in on her mom and dad having sex so she does like this whole like theme of pictures called sex pictures when she's like six or seven years old <laughs> that's funny <laughs> it's just like two it would be like one of the things is like two crudely drawn naked man and woman sitting in chairs across from each other smoking cigarettes and at the top it just says sex that's funny <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll probably I'll probably check that out then. Yeah, I, I I would recommend. So that yeah, show. that's Mortified on Netflix. Yep, on Netflix. It, is it though? Yeah, just, it's on Netflix. I just looked it up and I couldn't find it. Yep, it's on uh, it's on Netflix. That's what I've been watching it on. I don't I don't think it's like a Netflix original or anything, but that's what I've been watching it off of. It's it's just called Mortified. Mortified. Like, that's it. Yep. Mortified Nation. Mortified. Uh, it might be it might be under Mortified Nation. I know the original documentary is Mortified, but. Uh, Let's just yeah. Mortified uh, Nation is on. I think and, I think okay. it's called the Mortified Guide. All right. Well, it's Mortified something. Look it up. Okay, it's we're, it's not our job to tell you, know you what, what to we're watch. just gonna we're oh, just gonna bleep all this out, and I'm just gonna look it up to. Okay, yeah. So it's called a uh, Mortified Nation is okay. the name of the documentary, and then the Mortified Guide there is the go. show. Okay, there we cool. go. Now it's clear. So that's on that. Um, yeah. So now let's talk about 
Atlanta. Woo! On FX. We just watched the season two premiere, Robin season, yeah. but let's we haven't talked about Atlanta yeah, on the let's pod backtrack. before. So let's talk a little bit about season one. What what are your takes on this show? What what does it mean to it's, you? The expectations for the show were very different than what we got, and it's way better than we could have imagined, I think. It's it's one of the best shows on TV. It's one of the most original shows. I've been a big fan of Donald Glover since I was in middle school when mm-hmm. he was doing Derek comedy yeah. videos. YouTube, and YouTube then boy. Yeah, and then I followed his music career. I followed his entire career. I, Community is one of my favorite shows ever. And I think this is the best thing he's ever done. I think this is what he's meant for. I think he really found his his calling with this show. Yeah, I mean, this is his show. He created it. He writes a lot of it. He directs a little bit of it. He acts heavily mm-hmm. in it. But he um, also allows other people to shine in it. Like Hira Murai directs a lot of the episodes. His brother, Steven, yeah, writes with his, him. It, the writing staff is mostly not writers for this show. It's his crew that he's done a lot with ever, ever since his music career started. The Royalty Gang featuring mm-hmm. people like his you know, his friend Fam. Just a mm-hmm. bunch of people who are just incredibly smart well, men. He, he had a house women. in L.A. Um, called the i don't know what he called the house but it was like a sort of creative collective yeah exactly um and that's where he produced um awaken my love and wrote atlanta and i want to mention if you want to know anything about donald glover the new yorker recently probably last week published this story about him like a piece where you know a classic you know reporter follows him around for a while and just it is it's maybe the best article I've ever read in my life. Oh my god! It's unbelievable. Damn. I've always been a big, you know, fan of short form literature. Is like the, I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell guy. Is the title Donald Glover can't save you? I think something like that. It's written by a guy named Tad Friend. Um, it is. Yep, that's it. It is genuinely an it. unbelievable article f- from a writing standpoint and obviously the subject matter. But if you want to know anything about Donald Glover, how he rose to power, how he feels about anything in life. Um, it, this is the article for that. There are plenty of profiles about him. This is the profile. It's a long read. It took me like 45 minutes to an hour. It's I, very long. I think Donald Glover is like one of the biggest influences for our generation because he, he kind of embodies like the millennial headspace of trying to do everything yeah, and, and, and trying to like and, dip your toes into and whatever And what's amazing about Donald Glover is that he's, you can argue like, on how much you love his work, but you can't argue it that he's at least good at he, everything he, he does. I think that he's, he does. Yeah, I think that he's actually like amazing at everything he does. I love his music. I love his acting. And I love his writing on the show because what's so great about Atlanta is that it perfectly, it perfectly rides the line between being over-the-top, laugh-out-loud hilarious and also being really dramatic and having you really care about these characters. And violent. And violent, yes. Yeah. It's like, it's a really, intense. really good show. Very I think dreamlike. That, I, think, I mean, whenever season one came out, I, that was my favorite thing on television that year. Yeah, me too. I, so I, I have extremely high hopes for season two. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to go ahead and well, talk about the first episode? Really or? quick, I wanted to read a passage from the article about how he got this show greenlit because it's hilarious. He admits openly he lied to FX about the show he was <laughs> well, going to The pilot is like, if yeah. the pilot kind of presents it's very different. The, the show that you would yeah, expect. Yeah, they, they all, the whole royalty gang talks about how they Trojan horsed FX straight up. Even <laughs> though they like John Lundgraf, the guy who runs FX, they straight up, this is the passage. I knew what FX wanted from me, Glover said. They were thinking it'd be me and Craig Robinson, the hot tub time machine actor, <laughs> horse-tailing around. It'd be kind of like Community, and it'll be on for a long time. I was Trojan-horsing FX. If I told them what I really wanted to do, it wouldn't have gotten made. 
Stephen Glover, Glover's 30-year-old brother and his closest collaborator on the show said, Glover promised, oh, Ern and Al work together and make it in the rough music industry. Al got famous for shooting someone. Now he's trying to deal with fame and it'll have a new song for him every week. <laughs> like, And there, Darius will be the funny one and the gang's going to be all together. Like That was how they lied. And then what they produced ended up being way better than that. So much better. And I think that. the show succeeds because it constantly surprises you. Not even from week to week, but within the same episode. It, yeah. It, it it set up a um a lack of expectations like you, we we knew that it was going to surprise us and even though we knew it was going to it still managed to wow us just, with every yeah, episode they talk about the writing process for it and it makes a lot of sense because a lot of these guys aren't writers he, glover is kind of a genius they talk about how he has this extreme aptitude for anything he says he sees life as an algorithm, and the way that he breaks it is by getting really good at stuff by just putting so much time into it. He just has that ability. Yeah, I know he said um, back when he was like doing the little character, doing the rounds for yeah, because yeah. the internet. When when remember he would show up in uh, interviews like kind of playing the because the yeah, internet he, character. Yeah, and, and then now he like he goes on late night shows and he tells stories that are pretty much just completely not. They're just kind of lies, <laughs> kind of like Nathan Fielder did. Yeah. <laughs> when he was doing that, he said something about wishing that he didn't sleep he wished that sleeping wasn't a thing yeah. so that he could just work and work and work exactly and work. he just he said he figured it out when he was 10 like he just got good at basketball just by doing it yeah. for six hours he just has this ability to just get good at whatever he wants okay real quick favorite episode of season one uh mine is definitely uh it's tough but i gotta say ban b-a-n b-a-n black just because Ac- what is it black action network yeah yeah or black, black- uh Black I don't know access, what it is. Black, black, access. black access network network. Yeah, yeah, because it's like basically just like kind of local television, fake talk show. Yeah, but that's just it's the best version. Like, I mean, we praise like shows like Rick and Morty for their ability to do like a, a just a clip show, basically. Mm-hmm. But this is that to a whole nother level yeah. because it deals with so many different like concepts and ideas while being fucking hilarious. Yeah, you have the transracial like, guy, the transracial, the uh, the white guy, the black guy who thinks that he's an old white man Na- and yeah. Nathan it's, Wielder yeah. The guy <laughs> yeah you have Wielder. some great Nathan for you parody in there yeah just thrown in casually the, the price is on the can though <laughs> yeah the Arizona can commercial it, that, yeah that's definitely the funniest episode I don't know he, what my favorite he won is. the Emmy for directing that Glover did yeah yeah. Uh, that episode and I really love the season finale too yeah that, the season finale just kind of it ends the show in the perfect way where it's not unsatisfying but it's a little it anticlimactic you, it is anticlimactic but it gives you just enough that it makes you really excited for season two but you don't feel like oh i feel like i'm missing like that other piece that i yeah. needed mm-hmm. drew could you pick a favorite app gun to the head it's it's i mean naturally the one you think of first is the one that's different from all the others which is the mm-hmm. you know the parody episode but maybe the i think it's called the jacket the wager though that's the final one yeah the yeah. transaction episode that's a really oh no 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 you're thinking of the one where yeah the one where darius with the is, cell phone with, yeah the, with the sword episode. the samurai sword it's just yeah that might be my favorite the samurai sword episode because it just it's like a perfect episode of just showing you what this show does it just takes you around to these really bizarre scenes and it um, develops Darius a little bit more. Yeah, and Darius uh, kind of emerged as a breakout like megastar from oh, this yeah, show, that... and from he's in Get Out. And he's he really in Get he Out. really encapsulates like the weirdness of the show. Yeah. He talks about the how, tone in the article I talked about. He talks about how he uh, 
like approaches the role and he says he just he acts like he's high Darius all the time. <laughs> Lakeith he acts like, Yeah, he acts how Lakeith acts when Lakeith is high. Nice. Um and my, you really get that. My favorite episode is Juneteenth. I was about to oh, shout out Juneteenth. Yeah, that yeah. episode that's is, the other one. is not, incredible. Not that's only, the one where he's like looking for the guy at the party and the dude um no, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. Juneteenth no. is the one with the weird mansion party with the, yeah, the yeah, white yeah, dude the who's party. super into like black culture. Yeah. yeah. That it, it's almost like get out. It's a, very similar to get <laughs> yeah. out. Um, yeah, I totally. love that episode because it, it develops the relationship between Ern and Van really yeah, well. We just saw that one the other day and I was like, God damn, this is good. Yeah. And it, it like touches on these, uh, you know, racially sensitive uh, themes, but with a lot of humor. Um it just reminded me a lot of Get Out, which I think is interesting because it, yeah. it came out before it. Mm-hmm. And you even have the... Like Keith. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and you even have the Awaken My Love vinyl in there as like a little Easter egg oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, background. It's not even a vinyl. It's just a framed picture of the cover of right. Awaken My that's, Love. Yeah, that's right. really cool. Oh, another episode I wanted to shout was that Nobody Beats the Beebs. That episode is hilarious where Justin Bieber is depicted yeah. as the, the yeah. young black kid. With, with the <laughs> charity <laughs> basketball game. So uh, the article also mentioned I was kind of prepared for how season two, episode one went because uh, someone in royalty said if season one was a dream, season two is a nightmare. Uh, and season two, de- like right off the bat, is gets dark. Robin season. It's, yeah, it's called Robin season. The, the thing I love the most about this show is that it does. it's not concerned with telling like a very structurally like cohesive plot. It's really all about character development and tone and mood. Um, so you, you start an episode and you don't know where you are necessarily in the timeline, mm-hmm. how much time has passed from episode to episode. Like what is, what, at what point are we at in the whole like music paper boy arc with mm-hmm. the management and, and right. like, yeah. that's not what the show is concerned. Exactly. With. That's, so, that's what they told FX it would be about, but right. it's really just, there are episodes that don't mention that arc exactly. At all, and I love that. So yeah. with season two, we pick up with earn back in the storage unit. Um, but we, we have no way of knowing how long he's been living in right. there. Or and that goes back to what I was saying about I I didn't finish, but the the writing process. Glover wrote for Thirty Rock when he was very young, like fresh out of NYU, and he's been on all these TV sets. He learned because he's so fast to learn. He learned all the rules of writing a comedy script, and he teaches the royalty gang these rules just so they can break them. Like that's what Fam said in an interview. He was like, they, he teaches us all the rules, so we're allowed to just break them. And I think that's what makes it. Probably the best show on TV. Yeah, it's, it's I, I can't there. think of one that's better. It's definitely up. There. I really I've I've missed Darius with all this time that we've spent away from him. Like the season two episode one, Darius is just yeah. he's so fucking funny. Like he has that one I that one thing. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the plot, but where he meets uh he meets the major cameo of the episode and Cat Williams. Yeah, Cat Williams. And he says, "I don't like to say nice to meet you because I be- I don't believe in time as a construct. <laughs> so I'll just say." It's nice to have known you. Or yeah. he says like we we will we have always met. Yeah, it's just like it's nice to I would say yeah. we've always And met. I also I also think the best like representation of him is he goes right before that scene. They're outside the house and it's really sketchy looking and like there's loud music and yelling coming from inside and he's like, "Hey, uh the vibes are like really strong in there, so do you mind if I come in with you?" <laughs> like the exact opposite <laughs> of what you the, think. And then you just realize that Cat Williams has a fucking alligator and he's like, "Bad vibes, man. Bad vibes." <laughs> he just yeah, he just gravitates toward the weirdness. Like it's very 
it he's he's an incredible character and he kind of represents yeah. the center of the show the, the whole cat williams uh little subplot really made the episode for me i think mm-hmm. i think it's what makes it shine um i really like the stuff at the beginning with like these oh yeah let's talk about yeah the very beginning of the show sets um, up robin season yeah, yeah you this. learn what it is because obviously if you're not from atlanta you don't know it <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's it's a I think it's an Atlanta centric thing, but it's just generally like a big city thing. Like before yeah. Christmas is when you you know Robin happens because yeah. Adarius says it. He's like, uh, everyone's got to eat. Yeah, it's like it, Christmas is coming and everybody's got to eat. Yeah, exactly. It's like basically what he was and saying. then and then earns like or be eaten. I think that uh, this season is going to have uh, a little bit more of a like fluid storyline. Um, that's just kind of a feeling that I have from this season. That I think that there is going to be a little bit more of an overarching plot. Um, again, I'm just pure speculation here after only seeing the first episode. But that's just kind of the vibe. Is that your that hope? Feeling. You hope we get that? I mean... Really, I don't know what I want. It's really like I. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like with Rick and Morty, we were just like, "Oh man, I wish that there was an overarching storyline." And then we got season three, and it wasn't as good. So yeah, I, don't, I don't necessarily want one thing or the other. I, as long as they're making something that is ex- yeah, as great as season I, one. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get that vibe from this episode. I think that I would be perfectly happy if it just it even gets spacier and it just kind of meanders yeah. around Atlanta even more because it shows so many different settings. It paints Atlanta in this crazy picture of like everywhere you go is different there and mm. it's not how it's typically portrayed. Um I I think that they're definitely it's obviously going to get darker this season, definitely. It, I think it's just going to get generally more out there because it it's so incredibly well received that they don't need to lie to FX anymore. FX is kind of like, you know what, just do it. Just go, yeah. just fucking go for it cuz people love this show. Critics and audiences. It's doing really well with audiences also. Mm. Um, so that's where I think it's going to yeah, go. Yeah, I just want this show to keep surprising the hell out of me. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's yep. going to I think it's just going to be out there. This I have season. I put all my faith in Donald Glover. I, I, I mean, the the whole bit that they had in the in the most recent episode about Florida man just like it's it's incredible. Oh it's so good. Yeah, just, just a quick little comedy. I just like, want things like that. soliloquy. Yeah. That's yeah. all I want. That's, that was like that whole. That's like the be- perfect example of everything that Atlanta yeah. does best with its comedy. I, I can't keep. I can't wait to keep talking about this. It's going to be so much yeah. fun. So Atlanta if you guys if you guys aren't watching Atlanta, watch it with us. We're going to be talking about it pretty much every week for the next. It's ten week ten episodes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, do we want to do the movies first or the Oscar predictions? Let's let's go ahead and go through the movies first and get your. Okay. It'll lead into the Oscars. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So last night I finally got around to the two Oscar movies I had not necessarily been putting off watching, but was not making a priority to watch. Um, so let's start with Darkest Hour. I just saw this. I just saw this as well. Um, I thought it was. I mean, it's a good movie. You can't you you can't say it's not a good movie. Um, Gary Oldman, you're right. He deserves the Oscar. He mm-hmm. he does an incredible job. I think a lot of the time with with roles like his, where it's an incredible uh, body transformation, people kind of conflate that with being a good performance. And it's actually Especially when it's a real person. Yeah, right. and yeah. So people are like, kind of like, wow, he looks so different. Let's give him the Oscar. This is not one of those movies. He actually performs no, incredibly. Yeah. And another this thing, is not a case. Another thing about this movie is where with pretty much all the other lead actors nominations, um, it's a great lead performance but they also have an amazing supporting cast to elevate them. Gary Oldman is this movie. Like Gary yeah. Oldman I would bet is in probably 
85% of this movie. So much like, dialogue. Yeah, he has pretty much everything in this and, film. Yeah, and most of the long takes are on him also. Right, yeah. Um, and he he does really well with it. Lily James does well in a... It's kind of a limited role, but it's, I think it's elevated above a thankless female it's, role. It's definitely she, better than her performance in Baby Driver, well, which yeah, she was giving that's, nothing. That's called a thankless female yeah. role right there. She definitely... Yeah, she, and she makes the best of her scenes, definitely. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very well shot. Like, it looks good. It has a lot of... Uh, in terms of writing and portrayal, it has a lot of Spielbergy type stuff that I didn't quite expect. The scene uh, for exposition where it's just panning across Parliament and you kind of drop in on different conversations yeah. between two guys talking yeah. about how much they hate Churchill. That's very, very that's, Spielberg. That's so Spielberg. <laughs> um, it the movie also does a great job with uh, silence. Mm-hmm. It has a and Spielberg is known to do that where it'll just. Like there'll be noise, 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 and then it just all drops out, and there'll be a surprisingly long take of just nothing. Like no I, noise. I love the part where um, uh, Churchill is talking to FDR on the phone. Yes, and the way it's framed, it's like it, it's it puts uh, Churchill like in this in a box in a box yeah. that mm-hmm. takes up. Like, I wrote a that very down. small because it, it, it does that screen. twice in the movie where it zooms out and you just see him in a little box, He's so small, which is yeah. very symbolic because he was kind of on his own for a long time. And it's closing yeah, I mean, in on him before he, he won people. He over. really had nobody on his side, which is kind of what's what makes that performance incredible. What did y'all think of the quote unquote Oscar scene of the movie in the subway? I think that that was. Another one that I wrote down, like checked off as a very Spielberg scene where it's like he like they were kind of I feel like that didn't actually happen, obviously, but I feel like they were just kind of reading about him. They're like, okay, he's a man of the people. How do we show that on a screen? Well, we put him around the people. And it was I mean, it was really well done. It was great. It was just a very movie movie scene. Oh, yes. I just couldn't help but think of what you said last week, Drew, about what? him being a white supremacist in real life. That's yeah, and the, he, the one black guy that he talks to. And he like he like touches his hand. I was like, oh, boy. He's, yeah, that's that's what the movie does leave out. And that's why the movie does have a uh, bit of problematicness in there. Because How accurate is that? Are there like direct quotes of him just like saying of him being on the subway or no, oh, no, of him being a white supremacist? Yeah. There are direct quotes of him being okay. a white supremacist. Um, so yeah, it does have that going against it. Um, I think the reason it's getting almost no recognition aside from uh, Gary Oldman is because it's not the best at anything else aside from Gary Oldman. It's it looks really good, but it's not an innovative movie. It right. d- it's all shots that you've kind of seen before and you've been like, wow, that's a really good shot. They also, just do that again. I think it's a little bit too self-indulgent at times when it's mm-hmm. the, when they're it's a lot of like speeches and clapping. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's not pushing the boundaries of what can be done in any way, particularly yeah. aside from Oldman just absolutely nailing it. Uh, and that's why, you know, the World War II movie that's going to get more nominations is obviously going to be Dunkirk because it's not great at some things, but in other categories, it really is pushing the, yeah. the boundaries of what yeah, can be I, possibly done. I will say to that point, I, I do agree with you that there's nothing about this movie that's like wholly changing the way that we look at cinema. It's nothing, anything dramatic like that. But I do love the shots and the scenes that we get of them in Parliament and everything. Mm. I just love the way that that all looks, where it's literally you have two different sides. You have the the conservative party and the liberal party, and they're just screaming at each other. And meanwhile, there's just this table in the middle where the prime minister sits at with the judges yeah. whoever those people are i don't know if it actually looks like that or if it did in in that era but it mm-hmm. for the movie it looks it, great. it looks amazing very yeah. theatrical yeah. yes a, a couple other writing things the movie does have some pretty good humor in it like it yeah. has i wasn't yeah. expecting it to be pretty funny at points but it really it Dude, did well Oldman, like kills it with the yeah. humor he's yeah. very good um his performance and the writing of his character also managed to make churchill very likable 
like you you are very much and the progression of it because you start out like being like oh this is a cranky old man yeah yeah the first scene that you get with him where he's just like screaming at lily james Mm -hmm. for not doing and double space on his letters he's writing yeah so it's definitely a good movie and much like the post i think it would win a lot more 10 years ago Right, but this year, it I think he definitely deserves uh, the best actor. Also, I really like Ben Mendelsohn as King George. I think he did a great yeah, job. I I did too. I have been thinking a little bit about his whole like arc transformation. I mean, I get that you're watching this all within the course of three weeks, but it seems a little bit just like in the way the movie's told that he's just like, oh, I don't want this guy. I wanted the other guy to win, and then suddenly yeah. he's just like, I'm just like you. We're also, the same. I, I loved all the overhead shots of uh, just like. Of an aircraft flying over and then the one that like that, transitions into a face that was that was my favorite shot of yeah. the movie I, that I was, was so cool i knew it was coming because you mentioned it but it still caught me by surprise and my mouth still dropped yeah it's still just like one of those things that you're watching and you're like holy shit yeah. like that is awesome yeah. it's and a good I, looking movie and i also i don't know if they actually shot it in london but london looks great yeah. i don't know if they actually shot it inside buckingham palace i doubt it but all of that stuff. They must great. have shot it in London, though. Like I don't know, but it it looked awesome. It it was really yeah. cool. Really put you in in the in the setting. So overall, it is. It's definitely a good movie. You can't call it bad. It's just not. You right. know, I feel like this movie unnecessarily gets too much hate, and I think that the next movie that you're going to talk about should receive a little bit more hate. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I. I'm going to be honest with you. When Before I watched this, I, what I was thinking is, okay, Hunter didn't like it very much. He had a take. I wanted to come in with the hot take and love this movie. I was going into it thinking, because you were you know, you know, were complaining that it addresses race without having a black lead. And, and I was thinking, well, that theoretically, that could be done well. So I was thinking maybe it is done well in this movie. I thought this movie was shit. <laughs> I was like, not even just in the way that it addresses those... Uh, subjects. I think this is a bad movie. I don't know what movie people are fucking watching when they say this is. Is good. it specifically because of the writing? That's no, not just the writing, but a lot of it is. Uh, if you have you guys seen In Bruges? Yeah. So yeah. that's it's a very very dark comedy. It's almost kind of influenced by Tarantino, much like I feel like this movie where it it kind of combines like sitcomy dialogue with extreme gore and violence. Uh. So here's a list of things Martin McDonough thinks are hilarious, okay? Midgets, uh, racial slurs, uh, anything offensive. The word fuck is like the funniest thing in the world to this guy. Abuse. He, like there's a time and place where the world, the word fuck makes a joke so much better. That's the whole joke a lot of the time in this. Like he thinks that those four things and fat people, that's the fifth one. He thinks that those five things are the funniest things in the world. Like nothing can make them not funny. Um, and that's the kind of tact that he brings to the subject of race. <laughs> that's that's his sensibility. And then he's like, you know what I should talk about is race. In a movie that theoretically does not have to have any mentioning of race in it. No. It's just kind of, it feels like he kind of shoehorned it in there because he wanted to be provocative. Like this is a movie where directly there is nothing, the main storyline is not involving race. He just, I got the image because he's a very european uh guy and a lot of his sensibility is european uh there's some decent back and forth humor dialogue that definitely does work like i'll I'll admit that i got the idea that 
he read like three headlines of articles in the Guardian or something about were how- they on billboards? Ex- yeah, okay, but it it just seems like he read some article headlines about what America's like, and he's like, yeah, I'm qualified to write about America now. It just this is not a place that this movie takes place in. It's not a setting. Those aren't characters. I. I completely resented that and I could not buy in because of that. I thought these characters were just poorly written. Also, there's there's a few scenes, particularly the scene with the priest, where it feels like the, it's not even a, a character. Like it's just McDonough just writing to yeah, the it's audience. Just, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's not written. This movie is just not a movie. Like I was like, what am I watching? Also, there's- he's he's dialing his characters uh, to suit different scenes yeah like they the, the characters change depending on the situation exactly of the scene. so let's talk about the good the highlight of the movie is definitely the acting um francis mcdonough is uh, mcdormand is going to win the oscar i, I think yeah. she's the only person in the movie that deserves even a nomination the only thing about the movie that deserves a nomination is her uh woody harrelson does i always love i mean he's just one of those like america's sweetheart guys that you just like seeing mm. him I don't know where his nomination came from because he has like like three scenes I, and I, two of them are good. I do want to get into a spoiler section because I have some thoughts on yeah. that that I don't want to say right now. And and then um, what's his name? The you know, the other Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. He is very funny as a character that is incomprehensibly stupid and, yes. and not a person. That I, guy is not a fucking person. Yeah, I, I, will, I was I also, so mad. I also want to get to spoilers because there's. I, I, I just have so many thoughts about his character. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a straw man of a character. Within five seconds of meeting him at the beginning, he says a racial slur to a, a Latino person, and it's like this is just not. Did, that's not how racism is. To portray it that way is almost offensive because it's implying that just everyone who's racist just goes around saying things like that. Yeah. Racism is subtle, and that makes it scarier. And I think okay, and to that point that you said yeah. that, whenever I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about this pretty recently, just like. Compare the racism scene in Get Out versus the racism scene in Three Billboards. Racism in Get Out is much more realistic because it's subtle racism. And because it's written by someone who has any idea what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. It's written by <laughs> one American to a black person, so they know what they're talking about. But this idea of racism being just like blatantly going around saying the N-word and just being like, her dur 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 I'm country boy. That's like that's kind of the old way of racism. The- versus like now with Get Out, like you see something that is subtle. This this is what real life exactly. uh, minorities have to actually this, face. This movie was not made to have a viewpoint, I don't think. I think it was just made to provoke people. And I resent that so much because in the bones of this movie, there's a skeleton of a good movie. Like, theoretically. Like, the just the premise of a lady putting up three billboards trying to tell the cops, like, hey, my daughter died and you're not doing anything. There's a movie there. And it is not this movie. This is not a good portrayal of what could have been something it, good. It, you're saying it should have stuck more to the conflict between McDormand and Harrelson and I, have that be like the through line. I'm just I'm saying that most of this movie was not made to serve a plot. It was made to provoke and to like be controversial on purpose, which is not what a good movie is. A good movie does that while also being good. This movie just does that, in my opinion. Okay. If you've not seen Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, I suggest you watch it so that you're not spoiled. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the conversation around this movie is really interesting because um, the the idea that mcdonough like wanted to spark this uh debate is debatable i don't know if he actually if his intention was actually to make this movie so um uh, issue centric well 
it's you know if you like if you're familiar with his humor and even if you just see the movie you know that his humor relies on on saying things that you shouldn't say that's most of his jokes even in in bruges there's the whole thing with the fat person and it's funnier in that movie because the movie isn't trying to also be profound right but like that's his humor is saying what you shouldn't say you you get the notion that he's just still kind of like a naughty schoolboy and I think that the more mature version of doing that is tackling a very serious issue. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say check out the movie just to be aware of the conversation and make your own take on it. It's not a great or excellent film or anything like that, but it is up for a lot of awards and it has yeah. been winning a lot of awards. So I'd say go see it to yeah. make up your own mind about it because a lot of people are really digging it. So watch it to... Um, to get your own take but now we're gonna get to yeah. spoilers so spoiler alert for three billboards okay um so i just want to talk about sam rockwell's uh not necessarily his performance because i think that he did what he was going to do with that performance with what was written for him he's yeah. a good actor but and he's very I, funny when his character is just stupid but I think there it's are funny there are a few different central points in the movie that i just hated first of all let's talk about the whole molotov cocktail scene that's one of <laughs> my least favorite things like it's like a trope now in movies of just a character being so stupid there's a fire all around him and then he doesn't realize until it's yeah, like too like, late oh oh me read this letter like right here and like not feel the heat like i understand you have headphones in but you can feel the heat of a fucking fire engulfing it, you and that whole this movie is just or smell burning yes exactly <laughs> it, it almost reminded me of baby driver in some ways in that a lot of scenes feel like they were written by a 12 year old and that's one of them like yeah. oh what she's mad what does she do oh she go blow up the police station <laughs> yeah, like like it's shut so this and then <sighs> the ending is the most like unsatisfying just falling flat of an ending ever we have them we have what you think is going to be this big payoff where he hears the guy in the bar and that's going to be like because it's alluded to earlier he's going to be the hero and then it's not even that fucking guy so then it's just like all right well we got to go drive across the country to go find this guy are we going to kill him there oh i don't know i guess we'll figure it out on the way cut to black here's here's a scene that perfectly encapsulates why i don't like this movie when they cut back to the night the daughter died and the mom's like, I hope you get raped on the way. Yeah. That oh is my the, God. That was the stupidest. Not, I'm not offended by it in any way. It's just fucking dumb. It's just like bad writing. It's horrible writing. <laughs> it's atrocious. <laughs> like to say that. And then she goes and gets rape murdered. It's like, are you kidding me, bro? <laughs> That's just poorly done. Guys, guys, today I saw a movie about a revenge driven protagonist that is on the hunt for Woody Harrelson and along the way this protagonist encounters Woody Harrelson who is at the end of his rope and he has nothing left to live for and he's losing sight of what is important to him and his family and then Woody Harrelson proceeds to pull out a gun and just shoot himself in the head Mm. but enough about about War for the Planet of the Apes (laughs) boom goes the dynamite (laughs) but but enough about cheers I've yeah. been saving that one for a little I, while. I was waiting for it. I knew that you had one in your back pocket at the ready. <laughs> there was there are some <laughs> dynamics in this movie that I think are not bad. There are some things that I think work in this movie. Like I mean, I love Woody Harrelson. I like seeing him. All the acting, even the if there were a category for supporting supporting roles, I think this would have two winners: Dinklage and uh, the kid with three names. 
Oh, Caleb Landry Jones. Caleb Landry Jones. That kid adds so much character to a role that could have just been a throwaway role, and he really adds something to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why all these people signed on to do this movie when they're they're killing it for writing that is horrible. I don't understand. Um, I have uh, another thing that I really despise about this movie was the... Once again, when we're talking about the ending here, where there's that whole scene where they're driving together and um, and you have uh, Francis McDormand's character just be like, you know, I was the one who burned down the police station. He's just like, oh, yeah, I know. It's cool. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, what? Why did you even bring that up? Like, what? that's what? There's just a lot of and characters that are just not people. One thing that I did really like about this movie, because I, I am shitting all over it, and I did think that this, I thought this movie was okay. It was okay to not good. I'm telling you, it just it has the skeleton, and then it has no uh, muscle or tissue or fat. Um, I did. I enjoyed the whole idea of him, um, of Woody Harrelson's character, how he got revenge on Francis McDormand by killing himself and then paying for like the next three months for the billboards to stay up, so she would have to deal with it. I thought that that was like genuinely a funny moment. Also, his uh, voiceover with the letters, he's like, "Hey there, I'm dead." Yeah. I love Woody Harrelson. Uh, yeah, Woody Harrelson was great. Um, also, I the black best friend of Frances McDormand, who Look. is just giving nothing in this movie. She, yeah, she like, has like two lines. She's literally the only minority character in the film, except for the in a movie the guy trying who put to put up the billboard. Yeah, in a movie trying to talk about minorities, and he does fuck and he just gives her nothing to do. I'm I'm gonna say my favorite part of the movie and my least favorite. I think my favorite part is the one take, the one shot where it follows Sam Rockwell from the police station up to the billboard. That office. was yeah, and then he throws the dude out the window. He assaults Caleb Landry Jones and the girl, and he's just drunk off his ass. Uh, and the whole time the camera's just falling up and then back down, and it never cuts. And I think. Um, I mean, Mark McDonough is not nominated for Best Director at the Oscars, but just the directing of that scene I thought mm. was really good because... Yeah, it was well shot. Because Caleb Landry-Jones, it looks like he's really being thrown out that window because it never yeah. cuts away. Uh, and then my least favorite part is the scene where Francis McDormand is working at the gift shop and that guy comes in. That's what I was going to say. What uh, the fuck is up with that guy? I, that I, was, that yep. made no sense. Have you ever God. met or heard of or seen a person who is like that? No. no that that whole scene it's made not a no person. sense. That is absurd. He just comes in and throws some shit at the wall. Like, And then later stupid. on, that's like the guy who you're supposed to think like, oh man, maybe, oh, maybe. he was the one who raped, yeah. who raped or, the or daughter. Or that he had any sort of connection to why, the sheriff. Like, why was that even a part in the movie? Well, I don't understand. Yeah, why is that guy in Missouri when he's from Idaho? There's just, this movie has so many loose ends. Here's another thing uh, that this movie could have done better. Get Out is so good because it starts in a recognizable reality. It starts in our world and it descends into a different chaotic world. This movie is just right off the bat not uh, recognizable. Like, it's just... It legitimately is like he read two things about America and he was like, well, all the cops just run around and yell slurs and blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, okay, I'm qualified. Here's the movie. It's it's not... It's it's arrogant. I think it's a very arrogant movie. That's it is. The word it's I very use. arrogant. It's extremely insensitive. I do think that Frances McDormand does put on a really good oh, she, performance. No, that I do want to give her a lot of credit because she deserves the Oscar. She does very well in a part that is kind of at it, at times it's very well written and at other times it's kind of stupid. Because it, it could have been really one note. She could have just been like cold and and hard the, the entire movie. She could have been like Alice and Janie and Itania, <laughs> basically just one note. I do think. Um, 
talking about her performance, one of the scenes that I, one of my favorite scenes, and I think one of my least favorite Sam Rockwell scenes is the scene wherever she's like, uh, uh, not arrested, but she's like in the little interrogation room and she just like basically like just calls Sam Rockwell like a racist idiot. Yeah. And that, that scene was just like really funny for her character, well, but then but also that, Sam Rockwell is just like a bumbling idiot. And then Woody Harrison like spits blood on her because yeah. he's sick. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I also wanted to mention the score of this movie is nominated for best score. And there were probably three or four <sighs> points in the movie I audibly out of my mouth laughed at how poorly it matched up with what was happening because it sounds there are times when it sounds like a soap opera. So you're thinking, oh, this is a very dramatic moment. And what's happening is so not dramatic. It doesn't land. There were points in this movie that reminded me of the room in that way (laughs) where what is what the emotion that the director is trying to show you is so not what you're feeling that you just have to laugh. Um, I what did you think of Peter Dinklage? I, I mean, I love Peter Dinklage. I think he's one of our, probably our best actors. He's also in, in Bruges. Yeah. Playing another role that the main thing about him is that he's a, a little person. Yeah. Um, he gets, there's, he gets a little more to work with in this movie. And there, like I said, there are some things in this movie that could absolutely work. I'm not offended by this movie so much in terms of like, like personally like oh you can't you can't say that because that's what he wants you to think he wants you to think aren't you mad that i said this yeah that's not why i'm offended i'm offended because this is a bad movie and it's like under the charade of being a and best picture it, well it's speak yeah it, he's trying it to might win he's trying to approach these subjects that are so profound and he does it so sloppily and that's what i'm offended by i'm not offended that he's saying these things because i don't care i don't get offended by statements i get a more offended when they're just poorly constructed. Yeah, I think I think overall I'm I'm really happy with Frances McDormand's performance. I think she is overall great. You think, um, I, I think she's going to win, right? She is going to win. I'm fine um, with that. I'm she, fine with that. She kills it. Like she has so much like rage and sadness. Yeah. And there are other good things like I generally do like the combination of dark comedy and like goriness. I think that usually makes for an interesting movie. Tarantino certainly does it well. And in Bruges is a better movie than this. Same director. It's just the combination of that and then also trying to say something so much more complex than you're capable of yeah. saying. Also, yeah. what the fuck was up with that deer? That looked like shit. That was what, so what was bad that? looking. Like, why was that even in there? Like, <laughs> I it, I just, it's gotten to the point kind of with CGI now where people are just like, oh, we can do anything with computers. Let's just do, let's just have this deer just go right up to Frances McDormand because it's, it's like, like she's metaphorical. Having a, she's having a vision of yeah, her Yeah, that's dead her daughter. daughter. And it's like, one that deer looks like shit. Like two, even if it didn't look bad, it would still be pretentious. Just watching this, like, oh, yeah. we get it. I I do really think that the the thing that elevates this movie from being like trash is the main plot of her with the billboards, yeah, trying to fight for justice for her daughter. Like, like that, that that whole thing is so interesting, and it's really it's well done. The thing that bogs it down is all of the racial stuff with Sam Rockwell. And just because like it could you can address race in a movie, but it has to make sense and it just kind of doesn't in this movie. Yeah, it no. just doesn't really it doesn't play into the plot. It doesn't serve a purpose other than he just felt like saying this. What about the the sheriff after um, Woody, the, the black sheriff? What do you think of him? I mean, he's he's definitely not the worst part of the movie. When he comes in and he takes over and he immediately goes, none of you cracker motherfuckers got work to do. I was like, that's just, this is just another <laughs> horrible character. This yep. is another straw man that doesn't exist in the well, world. One thing that I was, that I thought was interesting about him is at the very end of the movie, there's this exchange with him and um, I think it's Sam Rockwell 
where he talks about the 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 sketchy guy in the um in the bar and they talk about how this dude is like an ex-military guy mm. and that he's bragging about like abusing someone in a in like a you yeah, know, middle he's, eastern he's country in a country yeah that i was thinking about that and is i may be missing something but this is something that lee and i talked about and is is mcdonough trying to say something about like um this sheriff like being in on the military hiding this shit and like being aware of their soldiers being shit and like protecting them because it's just it's just another statement about like hey soldiers rape people are you mad that i said that well it's not just soldiers rape people but it's like it they their superiors know about it and they're just which throwing it under the rug which is a thing that happens and is an issue that you could seriously discuss in this movie i mean it's it mentions it but it just kind of that's it it brushes over so many different themes without ever actually doing one thing super well i i like i said i genuinely went into the movie being like all right time to like this movie time for my hot take of loving this movie and i was i was I was surprised by how much I disliked it. I was I was very disappointed. Just to update you guys, right now I'm on uh, the Oscar odds on Bavada.lv, and Three Billboards is a minus 115 favorite to win the Best Picture. So, 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 let's, is, so there's that. So, I, it's not going. I think, well, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we're about to transition. Well, yeah, Oscar but really picks, quick. But, so there is a narrative beginning, like the Ringer put out a video about how it could be compared to Crash. The yeah, movie. another movie who that very heavy heavy handedly deals with race and white guilt and one best picture because of it. I think Crash might be a better movie than this, in my opinion. Wow, that's that's uh, really saying something. because Crash is heavy handed and it has a whole lot of scenes that are very eye rolly. It's just it's a lot of scenes where you're like, oh Jesus. Three billboards had scenes that made me laugh when they were not supposed to which is that's what i call bad when what, it's just so bad you have to laugh why do you think this movie is winning so many awards and why do you think it's it may win best picture because i mean because it is quote unquote provocative and it's dealing it with registers these. like a like a strong response yeah people. exactly it's it people talk about it there's a narrative it, it people have strong opinions about it which you know any press is good press that's one of the oldest sayings in the fucking world yeah um and i think there are good things about this movie but i think overall it's masquerading as a good movie isn't it crazy that jeff canada of slash film put this as his number, number one, one. Yeah, that's wild to that's me. That's insane. And like no, the other two uh, people on Slash Film didn't even have it yeah. in their top ten. I personally, I don't think the movie is trash. I just don't think it's anywhere close to being good enough to be nominated for awards. No, I it don't, deserves one nomination, and that's Francis McDormand. Exactly. Yeah. I think that I, I think that Darkest Hour deserves more nominations than Three Billboards. Yeah. I think Darkest Hour is a better movie than Three Billboards. All right. Like, Are just, you? Uh, you guys? You guys have any final thoughts? Um, I almost, I think that I agree with you on your take about Crash, Drew. I honestly think at least like Crash is pretentious as hell, but at least it's saying something. Three and, billboards, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, what, I really like, I don't know what the message of this I, movie is supposed so to be. So I came up with an analogy that not many people are going to get. It's an SNL thing. Uh, Crash is like the sketches with, with all the high school kids putting on a theater production where they're all fake woke. <laughs> 
and every every little sketch is them being like wow and kind of patting themselves on the back that's, that's what crash is it's it's self-congratulatory this movie is cecily strong's character the girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party because <laughs> she's drunk and she's just she's telling you all these that's opinions good. that like aren't even opinions like she's too stupid to have an opinion that's what three billboards struck me as it's too dumb to say anything yeah all right well we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to be talking about our final predictions for the Oscars. We'll be right back. At the airport last night, picking up uh, Lee from her ca- flight to California, Yo. and they built this like new terminal there that's like really futuristic. Um, but I didn't know that because I was trying to find the parking lot where you wait for the arrivals to come in, so that you're not just sitting in the uh, pickup area. But I couldn't find that, so I just ended up at the parking garage for this new terminal. I was like, where the, what the fuck is going on? So I figure out where I am and I just walk in there and it's so futuristic. And there's this like train coming in to pick people up to take them to the main terminal. I get on this train, right? And then I get off the train and there's just a robot uprising Can going I guess on. You guys stuck in Jetson cartoon world? No, dude. Like this, there were like, there were like robot horses around and like, robot buffalo and you you, ex- you uh you were trying to go east weren't you and you accidentally went west I, apparently yeah yeah so i was so just you went like, to wakanda i was like what i thought this was a <laughs> one-way train and now i'm just in westworld like what the fuck happened so i'm getting shot at you know but then it's all like i'm a human so i, I don't, so nothing happens to me was jimmy simpson young or was he old man because if he's old man you're you're gonna die oh ed harris yeah was he ed harris yeah he was busy though yet he was he was busy. He was busy, yeah. like scalping some dudes. Yeah, some, some, dude. it was some mazes, sport. following plot lines that go nowhere. It was horrifying. I was trying really hard to find Anthony Hopkins so he could explain everything. <laughs> I wonder how much surgery Jimmy Simpson had to get to be lucky enough to grow up to look like Ed Harris <laughs> in that world. You know, they had to de McBoyle him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm just glad he that grew there a was chin all of a sudden there was a, a piano version of Kanye West playing in the background the whole oh, time. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. that fits. Okay. <laughs> That definitely fits. We are back. Let's just get right into it with these uh, Oscar predictions. So we are we are locking it down because by the time you hear this, the Oscars are only hours away. Um, or maybe it already happened if you're late on listening to this. Maybe you can just see how, how right we were. But we are locking these down. We're writing them in pen. Um, we're going to start from the bottom up, work our way up to best picture. So let's get through the ones that like there's no discussion worth having over because some of these like i want to talk a a little bit about you know Mm -hmm. there's some time needs to be devoted to some of these so 
first up for the Oscars is visual effects at the bottom of the list. Um, we'll just go around for all these, and I'll go first. I have War for the Planet of the Apes. I, I also have War for the Planet yeah, of the Apes. I'm calling, yeah. This I, is a trio calling upset. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I really think that this, I mean, it's the only nomination that War has, but I don't think that there's any debate over how amazing the CGI is in this movie. Do you think anyone has a good chance of upsetting it? Um, I would yes. maybe say either Blade Runner, and I don't want to say it because I don't think it's that great, but I think that Guardians could have a little bit yeah, of love. I, I could didn't see that. It won um what did it win for for the first Guardians? Was it makeup or something like that? No, I think it won vis- visual Did it effects. win visual yeah. effects? Yeah. I so think I possible. think Guardians has a good shot as the token Marvel movie. Um just in generally yeah. the Oscars. I, I think war is well deserving and I think it's gonna get it because it's absolutely revolutionary yeah. uh visual effects. Okay, so costume design. I have the shape of water. Okay. That's I mean that's obviously yeah. that works. Actually, um uh Guardians lost to Interstellar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you have for costume? For costume design, I have not seen this movie, but from all the stills and everything, it looks beautiful, and that is Beauty and the Beast. Ooh, okay. okay. I think that I just love the way that Belle's dress looks. I'm love the actual the the classic cartoon version of right. Beauty and the Beast. So I'm just gonna put my money on that. I think Gaston. I think it's going to go to a movie about costume design, Phantom Thread. Ooh, so we all have different okay. ones here. All right, yeah, I, Phantom Thread. I was I was thinking about that. Just I could really I, see because I think I think Phantom Thread is gonna get boxed out of most major categories. So I mm-hmm. think this might be a little win for it. Okay, next up, makeup and hair. I have darkest hour. Uh, darkest hour. Yeah, same. People you, people love when someone looks very different. You can't put on forty pounds of makeup Dude, and not win that, that category. Chin. Yeah, I that was chin mesmerized so by the chin. Yeah. I was like, how? It was yeah. We, me and Allison were watching that, and uh, she was like, "So this guy's gonna win the Oscar, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, Google Gary Oldman." Yeah, she's like, "What?" I did the same thing with Lee. Yeah, Ed Grant. It's really funny. Um, okay, next up for original song, I am a little bit torn on this, guys. I I don't know what I should decide on. I really wanted to pick uh, Coco, Remember Me, but now I'm thinking this is me. So what's your pick? <sighs> this is real. This is me. I can't pick one until I hear your. Uh, b- uh, before oh, I hear oh, yours. you have to. Uh, I'm I'm saying Coco. Coco. I think Coco is just a bigger overall hit. So yeah, it's, it's more a great fresh song. in mind. This is me. I think is a good song actually, though. Like I, I yeah. wouldn't be super. What about upset. you, Drew? Uh, I you guys both saw Greatest Showman. No, no but I know oh. that song. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I just I put Remember Me because that song kind of made me cry. The, yeah. the me too. I mean, the only reason why I'm thinking this is me is because it's the same guys that won the Oscar last yeah. year for and, La La Land, and it's uh it's the only musical that we've had this year. And I I, I actually I really want to see uh the Greatest Showman just because I'm a you know I'm you a know big what musical head. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb on this one, and I'm gonna do Sufjan. Yeah, do this is me. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, no, no love for uh, Sufjan Stevens. I would be. Is that how you say that, by the way? Sufjan. I I would be very. I think it's Sufjan. I'd be thrilled if he did win because I'm a fan of his. I've been getting deeper into his catalog lately, and what I've realized is he has a lot of songs that are better suited for movies than the ones he wrote for this movie. Yeah. Like he has like 24 minute long epic songs that are like it's like climbing it's like a, a score. It's yeah, ins- yeah. And Honestly, I I think that has a good chance of upsetting. I, I mean, I'd be thrilled with that because I love yeah. that dude. But I mean, come tomorrow night, I think you guys may be laughing at me for not picking Coco. Maybe. Okay, original score. I have The Shape of Water, Alexander Desplat. <sighs> okay, I'm between two things here, Drew. What do you have? I picked Dunkirk. 
Ooh, you picked Duncan. Oh, wow. You I, know what? I'm going to go different from both of y'all. I'm going to say Johnny Greenwood. I don't know ooh, if he's going to win, but that is my deserved. favorite. That's my favorite score of the year. I'm just going with Johnny Greenwood. That is my favorite bread. also. I think I listen to Johnny Greenwood's score. It's like, so I play good. It. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I just think uh, my philosophy here was never underestimate a Christopher Nolan movie's ability to get every technical Oscar. Yeah. That, yep, that's the, true. the reason why I went with Shape of Water is because I think uh, it's one of the strongest elements of that film is the mm. score. It's uh, it just really puts you in that fantastical mood yeah. and it's also like really catchy it, it just gets in your head i i really have a good time listening True. to the score okay so production design i have the shape of water me too uh yes i also have the shape of water oh, okay consensus yep. on this it's, it's a great looking movie the uh, the sets are very very unique like i said i think i said this how it's kind of bioshocky yeah it's like yeah. almost steampunky and very green i mean just blue. the opening of the movie where we have all of the the furniture floating, just yeah. floating and everything it's so gorgeous yeah. to it's, look at it's yeah it's a very unique looking movie and i think also the fact that uh, uh gdt made this for under 20 million dollars and he utilized the sets from the strain yeah and just like repurposed <laughs> yeah. all the sound stages the only other movie i would want to win is obviously blade runner because it's, yeah. it's gonna get fucked oh yeah but for sure i, I would honestly if one i don't know it, i think blade runner could upset shape water on this one there's a chance there is a chance not, there. I'm not I mean, betting on it's it. an incredible looking movie i would be very happy if it did okay sound mixing and sound editing i have dunkirk for both you have dunkirk for both okay so for sound mixing i have dunkirk for sound editing though i have blade runner okay blade runner has more uh like synthetic uh, manufactured sounds okay. so i'm putting my money on yeah. blade runner for mixing that. i have dunkirk editing i have a big upset that is going to be completely wrong uh baby driver okay i was actually thinking of baby driver just because it'd be that well movie deserved is, the movie yeah. is very tight that's, like it, it's it, if that's one thing of all the faults for the movie is that the way that sound works it's like you're watching a music video yeah and i that's see i was very low on it's, it's all on, on baby tempo. driver it's, compared mm-hmm. to you guys even i was pretty low on it it was one of the worst movies i watched last year but if you're gonna give one award to it the yeah the te- the way it inter interconnects uh, music and action is very unique and very innovative. That's the strongest part about it. Yeah, it's the best part of the movie, definitely. All right, film editing, I have Dunkirk. I also have Dunkirk here. Yep. All right. No no baby driver? No. You don't think there's a chance? I think sound editing is what sticks more than film editing for me. This category has one of my biggest snubs, which is Lady Bird. I really Mm -hmm. wish Lady Bird was I know. The editing in Lady Bird is really tight. And Uh, and fucking Floral Project, obviously. We could say say that for half of these categories. I also want to say the editing in I, Tanya is really underrated, I feel. The way that they are able to make it look like Margot Robbie is always out there skating when they like... CGI her skating mm-hmm. around like and just the way that that movie is cut and put together with the interviews it's very very that impressive. was my second choice I I mean I was do you think it has a chance it maybe because it's not really going to get anything else I was really high on I Tonya. I love that movie and I think that this this might be its strongest category for the Oscars you know they say that film editing is one of those categories that's like a, a link to best picture mm. I Tonya's not nominated for best picture but it, if, yeah. but if three billboards wins film editing then we might be in for a three billboards heavy Yikes. night I, which why the fuck is they even nominated who watched the movie was like oh my god the editing is exquisite yeah. like, maybe nobody said that there are some really good looking shots 
in three billboards it's one of the strong points and then there are some hor- like the deer there's some right. bad shots but and that's goes that's the directing though that's not the yeah. actual editing yeah and the editing was together. not it's very notable yeah either way <laughs> okay best foreign language film i have a fantastic woman okay me, me too because i googled it okay so you guys <laughs> none of y'all have seen any of these i'm just putting down the one foreign language film that i saw in here the square I really has a good chance. I, I don't yeah, know if the square is going to win. Yeah, I talked about it here on the podcast. Yeah. It's very fucking weird, which is why I don't know if a lot of like, especially I feel like the younger generation that's in the Oscar pool now will love it. But I feel like some of the older people just aren't going to like it because it has a dude behaving like an ape for like 15 minute long scene <laughs> uh, I, and no, like jumping on top dude, of tables in and that shit. big banquet scene. Yes. I watched that on YouTube and that it was actually incredible. Wild. That was one of the coolest things it's I've ever so seen. It's so good. Yeah. Like, but it goes on for so long. Like I was sitting there watching in the theater. I was like, I was getting so uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. Which is, I forgot that that was in the square because I saw that scene and I was like, I got to watch that fucking movie. yeah no you, it's i think, definitely recommend that movie do you think uh oscar voters are gonna think about that scene when they vote for the square for best uh foreign language film i i mean i hope so i mean it's not only that whole film or that scene i think that the whole film um it actually is kind of making statements on it's speaking to the uh, Swedish culture, but a lot of the stuff is really applicable to America when the way that it talks about like homeless elitism. populations, elitism, kind of this whole group of people looking down on the common folk, which is why I almost don't even know if the Oscars will get it because the Oscar are elite at their core yeah. and like they do kind of look down on everybody else. Yeah. But who knows? Okay. Best live action short film. Did any uh, of us see these? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did, I did. <laughs> yeah, we all we all saw the live action yeah. short films. I really wanted to say the silent child, but now I'm thinking that DeKalb Elementary might have a chance because of the current climate. Yeah. It's a school shooting uh documentary and it was well executed. It was just kind of simple i didn't i, I didn't really like it that i much. did I, yeah. that was my least favorite of all of the it shorts was, well it, we watched it like two days after parkland and that was yeah. that was really rough in a theater full of people yeah, but very uncomfortable past that uh the the leading lady in it i don't know her name but she does give a great performance but i just think it was a bit too simple and it was also like okay so you guys think that like it has a chance to win because of the climate i almost think it has less of a chance to win because of the climate because yeah. of the way that it treats the shooter we have this one moment where the shooter's like going and he's turning himself in and the main woman is just like i don't know your name son but i want you to know i love you and it's kind of one of those things that's like oh boy like we just had like a fucking elementary yeah. school shot up like that's not what you yeah. want to hear i, right I, I want to read up on how because it's based on true events i right. want to read up on the actual incident i'm just gonna go with my oh. first instinct and go with the silent child i also went with the silent child here I really, really wish that the 11 o'clock would win, but the other four nominees are all very serious films, so I yeah. know the 11 o'clock is not going to stick it's out. It's so but entertaining. Yeah, guys, I, if you can find the 11 o'clock online, I highly recommend it. It is hilarious. It's, it's so funny. It Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like 50s comedy. It's so... Yeah. It's based in Who's dialogue. On first? Yeah, and it's also very British. Like, it's it's it, it's almost like a McDormand. What's his name? I Mc, McDonough. Martin McDonough. Yeah. Cause he's... He he has a very British sensibility of just like quick back and forth. And this is 
it's genuinely hilarious. You kind of know where it's going, and it's still funny anyway. Yeah. Like, it completely nails it. Another uh, pick here that I think could upset is uh, Watu Wotu. Yeah. Watu Watu. Definitely has the biggest budget. Budget, biggest budget. It definitely, like, it. I would argue that it looks the best out of any of these movies. And it, I mean, of course, it has the most diverse cast taking place between Kenya and uh, Somalia. Yeah, that was a very, border. yeah, that was an interesting story. I, I actually, I like that more than I was expecting to, because going into it, I was wondering, like, okay, what is the message? Like, what is this trying to tell me? And then by the end of it, I was like, okay, that, yeah. I enjoyed that. And Actually. then the, the other one we didn't mention is my nephew Emmett, which is like a it's about a Emmett old, Till, old time <laughs> like Mississippi. I mean, it's a very famous story, the story of Emmett Till. Yeah. Um, right. what, what happened to him? He was a guy, a kid from Chicago who came to stay down in the south and he ended up getting killed. Um, so. Do you I, think this will? Do you think has this has any chance? I, I don't it, think so. I think it has some chance. I've I, I voted for the Silent Child because it's. I'm not going to say it's cheap, but it's it's easy. To, you only have like 10 minutes or so to make an impact. And it's very easy to when someone pulls a gun out. Like yes. it's like it's like Michael Scott in an improv. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? But you the know? acting I, was really solid. I know they I were. Think, these were all very good, but it's just kind of like, well, yeah, that's how you honestly, grip people. You I was a really gun. I was really impressed with all these short films. Yeah. yeah I, 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 they were better than last year. I yeah, think um, I would say. one thing that uh, I was saying to Gaia about the silent child is it while watching it, it felt like it was a persuasive essay that I was watching as a film. It literally ends to with a call to action for people yeah. to like, do, yeah. like and while watching it, the entire structure of it, it feels like I'm watching a persuasive essay. And I don't mean that in a negative way either. I actually think the silent I, child might have been my favorite. It one may, that may fault it though. The fact uh, yeah. that it is that. And I think, I think it could have done with less of the, you know, black, the white text over black screen at the end. I think, it would have been smarter if they had literally just put a link. If you want to donate to deaf kids, here's the link. Instead of yeah. being like, so many deaf kids go through this. Like, that's what I know because you just made a movie <laughs> about it. Like, I get yeah. that this happens. Yeah. Okay. Next, we have best documentary short subject. I'm totally None of us have here. watched any of these. <laughs> I, I said heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. The... Uh, <laughs> the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri of names for this, yeah. for this nomination. I said heroin, parentheses, E, and parentheses. Okay. Because that's just like like trippy shit, dude. Like, it's like drugs, but what if it was also a woman, you know? You know, I, I, I put my pick on the Martin McDonough of uh, just like names for things I can assume are Tarantino McDonough-esque, and that is knife skills. Yo. Neat. Sounds violent. Okay. Sounds like Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> Best talking. Doc- <laughs> best documentary feature again shooting blind here i'm saying faces places i said icarus because i read that other people said icarus i was kind of that's the russian olympic one yeah i was kind of tossing between faces places and icarus i went with icarus um but then again i don't know how much people who watch the oscars care about sports so that's something that could be working faces places is about a classic like french new wave um, filmmaker slash actress. Okay, so then Faces Places is gonna win. Is it too late? Can I change my vote? No, it's too late. It's <laughs> hey, done. Icarus has a good chance though. I I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh... Okay. All so, right. Now we're so getting, getting into, into big, some of the good yeah, ones. The big yeah. Boys. So cinematography. I went for who I want to win, which is Deacon. Yeah. Blade yeah. Runner. This yep. is this is a statistical anomaly at this point. Well beyond whatever uh, Leo had to deal with before he won his Oscar. At this point, it's like, what is going on? Who did he piss off to not win yet? <laughs> it's so many nominations. It's so well deserved too it's not a, just a legacy yeah career exactly win. it's a legacy and also he deserves it so yeah. i i want him it, to get this. if anything uh i think dunkirk could get it dunkirk because and maybe shave of water yeah they they did strap at imax cameras to old warplanes and then sink them in the ocean yeah. which is i mean dunk i wouldn't be mad if dunkirk won this i would be mad if it won screenplay yeah yeah that would piss i me just off. i i really hope the deacons wins it like this is 
I think the best, the most beautiful movie of last year, um, and it deserves some recognition. Nolan's screenplay is not nominated yeah, exactly. for That's the next category. Just theoretically, I would be pissed uh, off. Original screenplay. I'm really torn about this category, guys. Okay, I, what, did you, what did you say? Because there's, there's, I really want Get Out to win, mm-hmm. but I feel like it might go to three billboards. I'm I'm really, <sighs> really torn. I don't know. I really just, want to put Get Out. I'm, I'm. I just made this ballot with my heart and my soul and like just kind of saying, you know what? I think three billboards is bad and I'm hoping people realize that. Um, so I put get out. What about ladybird? That's a great that's, script. That's a, it's very tight. It's a very, I was actually looking between get out ladybird, but then again, we could have a very shape of water night and shape of water could win this. Easily. This, this is a hard category oh, because I really like all these movies except for one. This uh, may be the best category. Let's talk about the big sick. Like it's one nomination that I got. There's no possible way that's yeah, going to win. Kumail but, and Emily. I'm, I'm very happy specifically for Emily Gordon because she, you know, like I've said before, she just has a heart of gold. If you know anything about her, mm. Um, and she really, she, I don't think they deserve an, an Oscar for it, but I'm glad they got a nomination because that's huge, um, yeah. f- especially for their first movie. Yeah. Uh, I went with Get Out. I think I want, I don't know. It's so, because I, Lady Bird's script. It's a great. I'm going to say script. I want Lady Bird's script, even though they're just, they're so innovative in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Lady Bird is just a perfectly told small story with very, very realistic characters. And Get Out is the introduction of a new genre of writing for screenplays. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win. And they're both insanely rewatchable. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. I I think I want Lady Bird to get this one, but I think Get Out has a better chance. I'm I'm going Get Out. I went with Get Out. I'm locking it All right, so we're all going with Get Out then. Okay. All right, adapted screenplay. I did Call Me By Your Name. Me too. Yeah, I think we all have Call Me By Your Name. James Ivory is another person who's never won an Oscar. He's 90 years old. Jesus. 90 years old. I feel like it's overdue. However, I have a major dark horse for you guys that I almost was about to pick. Logan. Logan. Oof. I think Logan his screenplay is so good. It's, like, yeah, it's it is really so, good. It's so, so good. Like, I'm so happy that I even got nominated, but I really feel like... Like that's something that we got to talk about is like the voting pool got younger this year. It got younger. It got more diverse. And I feel like more people recognize Logan as an achievement for not only just changing the way that we look at superhero films, but just kind of dramatic end of their tale yeah. stories. I just think that um, the fact that disaster artist Logan and Molly's game were left out of best picture really hurts them in this category. Yeah, and it's I, really, I agree. It becomes a two horse race between yeah. call me by your name. I, and I definitely don't want Molly's game to win this um, because the script was like probably one of the weaker points. Did of that anyone, movie. did anyone see Mudbound? Nope. Do you have think you guys? That, no, I didn't. Do, do you think that has a chance? We should have seen it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard like, it's on Netflix. Decent things about it. It's it's again. It's on Netflix, but I don't really care to watch it. I, so I I'm going Call Me by Your Name, and I think it's deserving because it it's very difficult to adapt a book that uh, probably hinges a lot of its themes on like the inner thoughts of these characters and yes. you can't translate that to the screen without heavy voiceover. Yeah. The fact that this movie has no voiceover in it and yeah. the story and the relationship is all told through glances and touches and stares and, and just uh, yeah. little little performance details is I mean that's not really a credit to the screenplay as much but it, it, it it's a collaboration between the yeah, screenplay I, I'd and the be actors. happy if, I'd be happy if this one uh the disaster artist I think is kind of I don't know quite why it's there I guess it's to give a comedy thing but I think the screenplay was 
not could have been better i think it was not the best part of the movie um i think franco you know pre-scandal probably deserved a nomination yeah but yeah i mean we'll get to lead actor in a second but franco was mm. definitely going to be in oh, that category snub. so really quick well, not snub but yeah. the uh the new yorker column about donald glover i was talking about um they ask fam who's like D- glover's like number one man like he's he's really funny and he raps and all this and they're like so what do you think donald would be doing if he were white and fam's like he'd be like james franco like he'd be doing a bunch of shit and it would all not be good <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny oh my god all right animated short guys I put deer basketball. Wow. Okay. I was actually, so I should say I have not seen all of these. I'm voting with Lou just because it's it's Pixar. It definitely, it has the biggest budget out of any of these. It looks the best, but I kind of want deer basketball to win. Like it's literally Kobe Bryant's players tribune, like last retirement uh, article that he wrote. Yeah. He wrote an essay for this website that publishes essays by athletes. And it was really, really good. It was really good. And the animation in this is really awesome. Yeah. The way that it cuts sketches animation, but the way it cuts between him as a professional basketball player and just a boy jumping, throwing trash into his trash can. Like, so we never, we never actually went in depth on these shorts that we did see. Uh, well, me and Ernie saw the animated shorts. You saw them, right? So yeah, Hunter saw most of them. I saw, um, I saw two two of them. I saw deer basketball and Lou. we, we saw all of them. So I really was impressed this year. I think it was, again, better than last year's shorts. Um, the one that I thought was a bit, you know, Negative Spaces, the luggage one? I like that one. I liked it, but it was just so French. <laughs> it was just so like... My father and I, we relate over... Luggage. Luggage. <laughs> it reminded me of... We pack each other's socks. It, it remi- this is a reference for Colin only, but it reminded me of in the show All Grown Up when Tommy makes a short film called Gazoontite. <laughs> And it's just too out there. It, it just made me think of that. It was like, is this really just about luggage? It was really sad, too. Yeah, and it was depressing. Um, I voted for, I think Lou's going to get it. It's the Pixar short. Pixar has this down to, just like Coco, it's down to a science. It's not even yeah. fair. It's too perfect, almost, where it's just like, how how is this this good? It's not It's yeah. not doing anything super like innovative. Like I think Garden Party was definitely the, cra- like, the most interesting uh, fascinating I, to look at. One. I really wanted to vote for Garden Party. I wanted to win. It it um it really impressed me. It not did. not just not just the quality of the animation, but the story is all told like visually. Yeah, it's told in the background of just watching frogs, and it's it's the animation is yeah. hyper realistic. You know it's what? Beautiful. I'm, I'm scratching it. I'm going Garden Party. Oh, you can't do that. Oh boo boo! I I wanted to change mine earlier. So I no. I want Garden Party to win. I think Lou is probably going to take it. I also, I, kill, I also kill me if Garden if uh ba- deer basketball wins. <laughs> deer basketball wins. Now. <laughs> I also was a fan of Revolting Rhymes, even though I don't think it deserves a win because the animation is kind of crude, computer generated, and it's a bit too long. It could have uh, used some cutting down, but I thought that it had a fun premise to it. Yeah, I. I just I wanted to go with Deer Basketball because I thought that that's what all these people would vote towards well, just because people it's are Kobe. Saying that now. I, I Kobe. pulled it up and like Variety is like Deer Basketball is going to win. Fuck. But I went with... You can't go back now. <laughs> you can't scratch out yeah. the phone. See, that's why I let you do that. Without, like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still picking Lou though I, just because, you know, it's weird. It's like been against yeah. the Patriots kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those um, things. So 
uh, animated feature film. You guys go with Coco? Yeah. Coco. I want yeah. Coco. But there's a Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Boss Baby? Boss Baby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. For uh, Loving Vincent, actually, just because I've heard, like, I uh, I haven't seen Loving Vincent, but I've heard the animation in that film is, like, absolutely Dude, gorgeous it's, and in- it's, incredible. It was painted frame by frame in the style of Vincent Van Gogh. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's amazing. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, also, I've there's a push for the breadwinner because yeah. apparently it has a good message to it. Uh, but I'm still I'm going with Coco. It's I, just, like you know Pixar. Pixar's my my philosophy is it's gonna win one of these two. So why not bet both of them on Pixar? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean I just think that uh, that Coco also was like Pixar was starting to go into a little bit of like a mini rut here yeah. with like a couple like their last great movie was Inside Out which was 2014 2013 yeah, which is a great and, movie and it doesn't seem you're like well that's a three year gap but that's kind of big for Pixar for like Pixar, Pixar's yeah. need to they need to crank out billion dollar hits every year yeah um so yeah I'm with Pixar for okay. both of those next up director it, this is a huge okay. one and this is probably my favorite category I Guillermo yes. del Toro 100% okay. Guillermo okay. del Toro did you go for Nolan no no actually I okay. did not so I, I went for Guillermo, yeah. but I have a major dark horse for you guys, and that is Jordan Peele with Get Out. Oof. I think he's gonna win right now. Screenplay and right director. now you can you can bet on odds on Bavada right now. Right now Jordan Peele is thirty three to one odds. That's pretty good. My favorite That's... my favorite subplot of our podcast is Hunter becoming a gambling <laughs> yeah. degenerate like slowly. <laughs> just just throwing that out it's, there. It's guys. like Garden if Party. It's want, in the background. If you just want to like play around with like ten dollars this weekend, just put ten dollars on it and you quit three hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah. That's um, all I'm saying. Yeah, Hunter's getting sucked in. <laughs> um I, I mean, I think that you have that would be my second choice because I think there is a push for it to get best picture. And I think best director is kind of the second biggest thing you can get as a movie. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I, I get that. But I think that I'm going with GDT. Yeah. yeah I, again, I pick GDT. Here. GDT has just made the rounds, man. He's just been all over Hollywood yeah. talking to everyone, just wooing everyone with his fucking charm. The, like he's going to get this. The biggest I think the only one that I would rule out is Greta Gerwig. Sadly, because yeah. it's insanely well directed. But I think the better thing about that movie is the screenplay and the editing. Yeah. So sad. That, I wish uh, that Paul Thomas Anderson had more of a campaign leading up to this. But it yeah. seems like nobody saw Phantom Thread, and that movie is excellently yeah. di- is excellently directed. Well, on the other hand, it could be flying under the radar because, like, with 538's metrics, for example, it all it takes into account is previous award shows, which literally just didn't have it. So right. Yeah. Maybe just maybe it flies under the radar and he wins something big. I but mean, it, I'm not counting on it. Yeah. If if it's gonna win any category, it might be this one. True. If anything, um, but okay. So supporting actress. Um, this is a tough one, but I think the safe choice here is Allison Janney for I Tanya. I went with that. Yeah. Okay, me too. guys. The next two of these, I voted with my heart. You went with Laurie Metcalf. I went with Laurie Metcalf. <laughs> I just think Laurie Metcalf is just a better overall performance. I agree. Allison Janney just like I understand she's winning every award, but I almost feel like there's been. Like the thing with the Oscars is they happen so much later after all these other awards that you get major backlash there from could everything. Be a turn, yeah. And I really think that I've seen so many articles published now, like talking about exactly what we're saying that that Allison Janney's character is very one note, and Laurie Metcalf 
just gives one of the best performances of the year. And specifically, if you just think about the scene where she drops off Lady Bird at the airport and she's just driving, not a single line of dialogue is said, but all the acting is just done on her face. You can see all these emotions going through her. So it's perfect. A hundred, a thousand percent. I want Laurie Metcalf to win. And I still went with Janie just because I don't, I don't, I think that that Janie's going to win, but I'm just, I'm just throwing shit against the wall now. Well, hoping I, I just think it's really sad that Lady Bird might walk away completely empty-handed tomorrow night. Yeah. And if it's going to be... I think this might be the one that it gets if it gets one, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I want Lady Bird to get something big, yeah. which is why I want it to get screenplay, because its screenplay is unbelievable. It's going to be so sad when Lady Bird walks away empty-handed. With, yeah, three billboards wins everything. My fucking favorite movie of the year wins nothing. Um, okay, but I'm still going Janie. All right, supporting actor, guys, I... This is the one. This is my heart move. Yeah, yeah did we, we, all, we all did it. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. We all did it. This is. I it's think that it. He does have a Dafoe. shot. Just because it's it's just the it got nothing else. Like Florida Project just got literally fucking nothing the else. only nomination. It deserved to get screenplay. It deserved to get cinematography. It deserved probably editing. It got none of that. Just directing. G- give it an acting. Just give it something, please. Yeah. And he fucking deserves it yeah. too. And, and not only great. that, every scene that Willem Dafoe in, is in in this movie, he elevates. Like, uh, I don't remember who I was listening to or what article I was reading, but they kind of talk about how in a movie that's all made up of non-actors, he is like the centripetal force that's keeping everything moving yeah. in this story. And he's not even like the main character or one of like the main two and he characters. Doesn't, he doesn't do his usual shtick either. No, it's he's so different, different from any other character that Willem yeah. Dafoe has ever played. And I'm just... I, I know that Sam Rockwell is going to win this, but I'm just fucking hoping that Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell split votes. And I don't want to talk shit about Sam Rockwell because there's nothing he could have done better to elevate a very poorly written character. This, this character is dumber than anyone's ever been. And then he gets redemption for no reason. There's also, I mean, because has Willem, Willem Dafoe's won an Oscar before? Correct? No way. He's never had. No way, okay. No. Well, I know that Sam Rockwell. Everybody, he's just like everybody adores Sam Rockwell, and he's thinks yeah, that he's, he's such a charismatic, fun guy that it almost seems like it's like just written. It's it, writing up for him. The only, it's a coming it, out party. But the only person nominated for this category that has won before is Christopher Plummer. Yeah, which uh, I've actually heard a little bit of buzz for like Christopher Plummer, no Richard Jenkins, way. but there's no way that either hey, man, of those are going to win. Richard Jenkins. Dude, he could, he could sneak I, in there. I mean, I would love it if he won because I think he I think was the he best was amazing. Char- he was the best character in that movie, I think. He was the most uh, dimensional character. He was yeah. well-written, and he did great with that role. What uh, Has Willem Dafoe been uh, nominated before I in the past? I don't think so. He, um, he doesn't really do he, that kind of work. He usually does big movies, like over-the-top yeah. roles, so I doubt it. Um, He's, but yeah, Rockwell Rockwell did uh, great in a, in a bad role, so I don't want him to win. Uh, I don't think Harrelson. I love Harrelson. I don't think he should be nominated. He had he had a couple good scenes, and then he's not in half of the movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So actually, what do you, uh, uh, Willem Dafoe has been nominated twice, never won. Twi- or this is his third nomination, I should say. He was nominated for Platoon in 1986. Nice. Wow. And, and uh, for Jesus Christ? No, no, no. Uh, in 2001 or in 2000 for Shadow of the Vampire. Okay. Which I've never heard. Harrison of. was nominated previously for The People versus Larry Flint and The Messenger, which I've never heard of or right. seen. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping for Defoe. I hope he gets it. Um, here's here's rooting for you, bud. 
Okay, lead actress, this is a sure one. Frances yeah. McDormand. Which is sad because this is a really good category too. Knock off maybe Meryl Streep because That's just- it's Meryl Streep, so of course she's going to be nominated. But like, I I think that Frances McDormand has this one super in the bag. I'm really pulling for... Sorcerer Ronan or Margot Robbie, though, in an upset. Yeah, I, that'd I, be a nice surprise. Sorcerer Ronan straight up deserves an Oscar. She did an unbelievable job with a character that is like sneaky, very complex. Mm-hmm. And she did like a sneaky, unbelievable job. With and it. also, perfect job by like acting job by her nailing a Sacramento accent where if you've ever heard her talk and like she's anything, so Irish. she's super Irish. Like insanely Irish. Like, it's um, unbelievable how, and she has like a very like specific yeah. accent. And, it, and there's right just in. never a moment where you're like, oh, she got tripped up on that yeah. word. She never did. Um, well, Saoirse Ronan, um, did she, has she won before? Oh wait, I guess she hasn't. She was nominated for Brooklyn, but she yeah. lost to Brie yeah. Larson. She's she's been in stuff. She's been around the block already. I um, would love for her to win. That'd be a great upset. I think I think someday she will. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this is her year. M- McDormand. I think I'll be fine with her winning. She did a great job. Her character was definitely the most complex character in the movie, full of bad characters. So if anyone's deserving of anything from that movie, it's her. It's I'm like really doubtful it. it's going to happen, but I really hope that three billboards that this is the only win that. Yeah. It, that's not going to happen. I know yeah. it's not going to happen. I'd, but I'd be, I really want that. I'd be cool if if Sally Hawkins won. I think I really liked her. Um, I think Margot Robbie is getting shafted when she deserves serious contention. I mm-hmm. like I I was really surprised. The by campaign, how good she was. like I just don't know where the campaign seems non-existent for her. Yeah, for the movie in general. And she is the first actress who's ever been a producer on a movie that she was nominated for best actress yeah. for. I think it's because. If if they're gonna get supporting actress, they're not gonna give her lead actress also because yeah. there have been so many good actress performances this year. You know, I'm pretty pissed that Itania wasn't nominated for best picture. I I would rather have that than the post than the post. Times. Yeah, but before we get there, let's just say for lead actor, it's gonna be Gary Oldman, and he earned it. Yeah. I think it will be Gary Oldman. I do have another little bit of a dark horse here in Timothy Chalamet. Um, I, would, I don't think I that, like that I don't think that he deserves. It. I think Gary Oldman gives he put in a the better work. performance just because he's in. He carries the whole movie. Where Timothy Chalamet does have Army Hammer to bounce off of, even if Army Hammer isn't half of the actor that Timothy Chalamet is. Um, also, just. We t- you brought it up a little bit earlier about uh, Phantom Thread just not getting not coming out early enough for a lot of people to see it. I think that there could be just a little bit of chance that Daniel Day Lewis for like his swan song final yeah, performance last, last could movie. get some There's could a, get some love. There is a narrative that gets him that Oscar. I think that there definitely is. I don't. I think. I don't know if it's going to happen. Poor, poor Oldman. <laughs> I feel like yeah. in a year where Gary Oldman doesn't. Like where Darkest Hour doesn't come out, I think that he would win it straight up over Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, even though I like Chalamet, I think Lewis's performance was so subtle that it was, it was almost too subtle. I think I think it may be his best one, not his best, but like definitely up there. It's like, definitely up there with like There best. Will Be Blood, and he, he has one of those and, names where it's like it'd be funny if he went by Dan Lewis. <laughs> like, oh yeah, Danny, Dan Danny. Lewis. I mean, he already has a record three Oscars. So you like, know. yeah, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do think that there is a little a bit of fourth. a narrative there. And he was, he's been nominated countless yeah. times without so, winning. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we, we gotta, we gotta wrap it up, but I really want to have this discussion because I think I'm, 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 I'm setting it. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going full hard mode. Get out. Best picture. Get out. Best picture. I'm nice. I'm doing it, man. You voted I, for that? I put get out on. I, I bunched it in. I'm taking the jump. 
Okay. I'm, I'm doing Shape of Water. Here's why I'm doing okay. Shape of Water. It's a good safe choice, yeah. It's and it's just Yeah, way to be safe. Well, no, the thing is it's safe, but it's just unsafe enough that it's not like too safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it it is about fish sex. But it will forever be known as the movie that beat get out for best picture. That's, yeah, I know. It won't be known as the cute little indie darling about fish sex. I yes. <laughs> I I really like I just okay, I was telling you a little bit about it like off mic, but there are basically three major cities whenever it comes to like just film in general. There's LA, New York, and London. And it seems like all three of these cities each have their own movie that they're pushing really hard. That's, London, yeah. London, of course, is three billboards. They have to represent their English boy, McDonough. New York is super, super into the shape of water. Like everybody in New York just loves and raves about the shape of water. And then LA, it's all about get out. And everybody is pushing for this is the movie that we need right now. And I just read a very convincing column that supports you guys' choice because uh, the Oscars just released publicly statistics on who they recently added to the Academy. Right. And it's was the, it the Ringer article? Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's the demographic for Get Out. Yeah. No, it's so. perfect. It's younger. It's more minorities. And but don't you think that it's also a lot of foreign people that may side with three billboards? That is possible too. I do think. I just I'm really hoping because. We should kind of explain a little bit about how the voting system works. We've for mentioned the audience it who uh, before. Know. It's it's but, like a tiered rank system. Yeah, but how? So you there's nine nominees this year. You list your rank of nominees one through nine. Then whoever, if there's no uh, film that gets over fifty percent of the vote, the last place, the movie that gets the least amount of votes, gets eliminated from the list. And then they go based off of... It's really, really confusing for unnecessary reasons, especially since we don't actually get what the votes are, like who people voted for. Yeah, no stats. Um, but I just... I really think that there's going to be enough people who are either going to have like a vendetta against... It's kind of going to be like the La La Land Moonlight thing last year where enough people put... La La, put either La La Land, either put either The Shape of Water or Three Billboards as last plank last place on the rank of movies or pretty low or pretty low, yeah. and then they'll put Get Out like two or three. And I think that if none of those movies are able to get fifty percent, one of those movies is going to get knocked down, and it's just going to go to whoever has the most second place votes. Yeah. And I think that Get Out could be a big movie. In I that think situation. I think tomorrow is going to be a little bit of a similar. I didn't I didn't watch the Oscars uh, two years ago, but it could be similar to what happened with the revenant spotlight and the big short mm -hmm. and you have this three-way race that is very very unpredictable because uh -huh. last year was pretty evenly between law land right and it was two factions really. yeah and then the the year before that you know you had this three horse race and i think that's the case for this year mm -hmm. i don't see call me by your name sneaking in there i don't I really don't think Dunkirk would sneak in okay, there either. But the interesting thing about Dunkirk is uh, because in some of the other, uh, like the SAG Awards and stuff like that, they do release the statistics. And Dunkirk has been coming in second and third place in a lot of spots. So there is some kind of a chance where nobody could put Dunkirk as first, yeah, but yeah. enough people put it at second and different movies yeah. at first place that it could kind of sneak it's in there. It's a great maybe. movie, but it, it would be an anticlimactic end to the night. Yeah, yeah but I do definitely. think... I, I do I like I'm really looking forward honestly to these Oscars because there's a lot of really tight races this is the tightest the hype has circled around for some movies like Get Out there was the hype and then the anti-hype and midway through the year and then it circled back around and now it's getting more hype yeah I would be thrilled if it won I I don't want to be naive and think it will because specifically did you guys read any of the you know the 
classic they always do the interviews with anonymous oscar voters no they they i just read a snippet of one this year and it was like yeah that's why get out might not win because it was like it was it read like a parody of what you would think where this lady's like yeah i thought that get out was like a fun little b movie but then like daniel kalua came up and he was trying to tell us that it was about something deeper than that and it's like, oh, yeah, really? Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, she, this person did not see the what it was. Yeah, actually they about. Like, like it's, and it's also just one of those things where, like, this year we have a coming of age movie, really two coming of age movies, and a horror movie nominated for best picture, and that never happens. Right. Like that does show that the younger that the voter block is getting younger, but there's still the voters are primarily like old white dudes like yeah exactly like that yeah that lady i'm sure is like 80 years old is, is darkest hour a coming of age movie really yeah yeah oh. well <laughs> i think that uh the reason why drew might be right here is because there's a strong chance that uh oscar voters are put off by the subject matter and get out they yes. might feel a little bit attacked and like right. i said i think that old people are gonna think shape of water is edgy yeah, like, I yeah. think I think to and, them and, that's the edgy choice, and so it's they one make of those it. movies that celebrates movies. Yeah, yeah, it it absolutely does, and that's one of the major things that it has on its side. Yeah. I'm really like I'm pulling for The Shape of Water just as much as Get Out. Um, I just wanted to vote with my heart here on what I thought was the best movie of the year, but I do think that that Shape of Water is more than likely going to win, and I'm perfectly happy with that. As long as Three Billboards doesn't win Best Picture, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, and and also you know. This is just for fun, but it could get it could get ugly because we are putting uh, our whole livelihoods on the line too. We are betting our entire bank accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have like forty three cents in my bank account, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, go all in with what you got. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dollars in my bank account. All right. Well, that about does it for this week's ep. Uh, let us know what you think of all of these fucking Oscar nominees, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Tell you again us next how week. wrong we are on everything. Oh, yeah, and also award shows are meaningless, and this is all. Yeah, stupid. this is Hollywood <laughs> jacking itself off. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. So go get out though. I yeah. fucking hope it wins. Um. You can find me at Calderness on Twitter and Face or, or Instagram, whatever. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley, M-O-B-L-E-Y. Uh, just follow me on Twitter, man. Oh, uh, next week we are going to go see A Wrinkle in Time at a screener. Neat. So, yeah, I'll, get, I'll have some takes on that for you. Yeah. Um. So I'm at Drew D on Letterbox. I'm at Drew Dietzen, spelled Diet Zen. That's what I've told every phone operator I've ever talked to <laughs> on on Twitter and on Spotify too. I got some some good playlists. Yeah. I just got a good compliment on my rock nostalgia playlist from it's a my good girlfriend's one. roommate. <laughs> you can find all those links below, and you can also email the show at webottommic at gmail dot com. Let us know your thoughts, your feedback, your comments, and uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Check out our mm. Facebook page. All those links are down you below. You know, someday we'll do a mailbag episode when we have a bag worth of yeah. mail. Yeah, you fucking Leave assholes. Leave us a review on iTunes? I think they're just intimidated by our prowess. You know, they're like, oh, they know everything. How yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. We're just your friendly. We don't have fresh enough takes to discuss. Yeah. We Bye, will guys. see ya. Later. Bye. This is Army Hammer. This is my Army Hammer. Later. <laughs> Later. Later. Fun American.
lo quiero pedir A Babalu Una negra muy santa como tú Que no tenga otra negra para que no se fuera Bambalú, ayé, bambalú, ayé Bambalú, ayé, bambalú, ayé Bambalú, ayé, bambalú, ayé